Welcome to the latest podcast, it's Talking Bollocks with me! Yes, it is your host, Howard H. Smith. Hello, welcome back, um, and welcome for the first time. This is the intro. Um, Sometimes it's slightly different, but most of the time it's pretty much like this. Fairly disorganised, doesn't tell you what's going to be on the show, and it's just me telling you who I am and what I do. So let's do that. My name is Howard H. Smith. I am lead singer of Rebooted UK Thrash Band Acid Rain. You can check us out at acidrain.co.uk. You could have just checked us out on the April Fool's Tour, which we've just completed. More about that later. I also do stand-up as Keith Platt, keithplatt.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Platt. You can find me on uh, Twitter at acidrainukac, at talkingbollocks, with a Z on the end instead of an S. Um, there's Facebooks, there's all sorts, there's, uh, there's always iTunes, get yourself over to iTunes, do a review of this show, please. Um, still, uh, no re- recent reviews there, so please do, um, uh, when, should you be passing in iTunes, pop a review in. Shit or brilliant, one of the two. None of this, eh, it's alright business, alright? Um, so yeah, don't want your actual opinion, want, uh, <laughs> want what I want. Um, and hello! Hi! So, some of you might be listening for the first time thinking, wow, a Dan Spitz interview? I didn't realise he even gave them any more. And the answer to that would be, he doesn't, except to yours truly. Yep, <coughs> gotta be connected. Um, so that's coming up later, the interview with Bobby's coming up later, but I will, I will, I'll do more about that, at, uh, just prior, I don't know where that came from, I shall do more about that! Um, I don't know what that's about. Ah! Good day. Welcome to the podcast, the cast of Pod. Today we have two fine interviews from two fine thrash metal gentlemen. One you've already heard before, Bobby Blitz Ellsworth, friend of the show and great top amusing guy. Second up, we've got Dan Spitz, or Daniel Spitz. He used to be in uh, Anthrax. He's been a watchmaker um, extraordinaire. He is now coming back to music after all these times, and we found out exactly, well, we, when I say we, I mean I, find out exactly what's been going on in his head for the last ten years, and why now is the right time to come back, and what he's been doing, and what he thinks on Anthrax, and all sorts of interesting things like that. So, um, no idea what that was about. Um... But uh, what has been happening in the world of metal in the last month? Well, um, subject number one, topic number one, would be the Acid Rain UK tour, the April Fool's tour. Well, UK tour that also took in a date in Spain last week um, as we headlined the Almeria Metal Festival, or um, Metal Maria Festival, the eighth of its kind. And that was awesome. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed the tour. It was fucking great. Bumped into quite a few of you guys out on the road. Um, it was lovely hearing your stories. Um, and uh, hello to the guy who told me that um, uh, he listens on his drive. That's my drive to work sorted. I remember him exactly saying that. Um, so nice to see you, dude. Um, bumped into a guy who, uh, who asked me my Phil Anselmo story um, outside the underworld. Um, which was interesting, so I managed to uh, tell him that. Um, and we had a few um, few people trying to do the bollocks, talking bollocks, bollocks back, all that, whatever. Um, um, and, um, yeah, it was just really cool to meet quite a few of you. A lot of you seem to be um, uh, liking the stuff I'm doing with Dan as well, because obviously the next episode with Dan will be at the, uh, towards the end of the podcast, um, as is traditional. And... Um, uh, yeah, it was just really cool. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate, really appreciate all your feedback. Um, 
and uh, it's just yeah, it, it's 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 very cool. Um, and also somebody um, somebody on Twitter who started following me and called the um, called the uh, the podcast educational. Now uh, fucking hell, I know, I've, I've I've had many things said about this podcast educational. That was a new one on me, but <laughs> there you go. Um, educated in the ways of what a dickhead says, I would imagine. Um, but seriously, dude, um, thank you very much for that. Um, I can't remember your, your handle on Twitter. I do apologise, but, um, you know, it was really cool. You did. And there you go. That It's that easy to get a mention on this show. Um, just tweet me some positive feedback, basically. I mean, you know, the egomaniac. I can't stop myself. You tweet me the feedback. I've got to repeat it. Hey, everyone, listen to how good I am. Um... That's what the voice inside my head sounds like. So anyway, um, I'm thinking of doing a big... Um, uh, I'm going to do a, a, um, a kind of Acid Rain special on the tour um, and speak to all of the all of the guys like I did for Bloodstock. Um, so, yeah. Although how I'm going to get Cookie to do it, now he knows that uh, I'm trying to prank him. Oh, I've got to try and prank him again. Leave it with me. I'll think of something. Um... But um, yeah, I'm going to do a separate episode about that. Otherwise, this just becomes about like yeah, 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 and me being on tour, which um, uh, which, which you can listen to in a separate episode. But it was awesome. It was great. Um, just yeah. Um, on last Saturday, um, I it was my 47th birthday, which I spent on stage in Spain in Almeria, um, which was fucking awesome. I did a PA dive as well. Yeah, because I'm mentally five. Um, and it was just, yeah, wow. I mean, 20-year-old Howard, I, I had my 20th birthday um, in Doncaster, having just played the Doncaster Jug that night on the Obnoxious Tour. If you told the 20-year-old Howard that 47-year-old Howard would be headlining a festival with Acid Rain in 27 years' time and doing a PA dive, I think... Um, yeah, I would have, um, I would have had you committed, and I probably should be committed. But that's completely another story. So, what has, what else has been happening in the world of um, of heavy metal? Well, um, let's go straight to the um, uh, the Dave Mustaine um, uh, Scout Jamboree that he had in his garden. Um, watched a um, watched I watched a video. Um, uh, roundup of that, so you can tell I've been on the road, bored, and like you know, will watch anything. So watch the video roundup of um, uh, of of Dave's um, Megadeth Jamboree, and do you know what? As as corny and hilarious as some of it was, it was kind of like, do you know what? This is actually I can see I can see how cool this is. Like there's people there and listing where they've come from, and there's somebody's come from London, someone's there from like Venezuela someone's there from Australia and they've all got and, and then you see like a couple of guys going you know like it's really cool to be able to sit down with you know with Dave and and like just talk through bits of a song with him or stuff like that get involved and it really did see like the band were totally totally accessible and everyone was just hanging with them and when you're seeing these guys really enthusiastic and going oh you know it's amazing but you think yeah do you know what I can I, I'm actually getting this and then you see them all, like, you know, doing a jamboree um, song together and you just think, okay, maybe not. And then you see that there's a bloke, yet yeah, they've actually got a bloke dressed as Vic Rattlehead wandering around. And at that point you go, oh, hang on, this is why I remembered it was shit. That's embarrassing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I mean, yeah, some bloke, some bloke walking around as Vic Rattlehead. Can you imagine that? He's going to tell his kids that or something, you know. 
It's like, all right, okay, I'm off to work. Oh, what are you doing today, honey? Um, uh, I'm dressing up as a character called Vic Rattlehead and rubbing shoulders with um, metalers in their 20s to 50s slash mentally five um, and, um, and having pictures taken with them. All right, off you go, dear. Have a nice day. I mean, it's just <laughs> sign lots of autographs. <laughs> Poor bloke. So apart from that cheesiness, yeah, do you know what? I actually thought this this actually looked like it was pretty cool, and it was great. There was one guy going, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was, um, I am, I'm literally beside myself, and I thought, mate, that like you are literally not beside yourself. If you were literally beside yourself, there would be two of you, okay. So you're figurative, anyway, literally figuratively, it does my fucking head in. Um, I went to the cinema to see Rammstein in Paris. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned that on the last podcast, actually. Um, that's really weird, because I've got it on my notes here, and I'm, I don't know, I think I mentioned it. Well, well, I went anyway, and it was it was awesome, and, you know, get the DVD um, uh, uh, slash Blu-ray. Um, not so awesome was seeing um, uh, ex-Dark Angel vocalist Don Dotty with his band Eliminate. And um, I was amazed. I, I saw the video clips and then I went through the comments. And the comments are like, yeah, man, Don's killing it. Yeah, wow, he's great. The guy stood there virtually speaking. I mean, and there's like, there's, I mean, there's just nothing there. He just looks like a husk of a human being. He really does look like an empty shell. He looks like he's wandered on the stage and is going to start sweeping it up. Um, and yet people on... I, I, don't know, I don't know why Ron gets um, a lot of stick for Dark Angel, who's the, the current singer and, and, and friend of mine, I might add. Um, Ronald, as I call him. Um, it, it's... And I don't know why, but people seem to be so hung up on uh, Don Dotty, and it was—it's terrible. It's fucking awful. The footage is horrendous. He really does look like a tramp, but um, you know, some people—some people seem to be digging that. Don't know why. Um, what else? Well, um, uh, Jason Newstead finally came out and told us what we all knew, which was as much as he was enjoying doing the band Newstead, he couldn't make it pay. Yes, it was basically costing him too much money to um, to keep the band going. So there you go. And uh, just another example, if you needed it, about um, the kind of money that um, the artists earn these days um, and, and, and what it takes to keep a band on the road. And... Uh, I'm really aware, I'm really aware that I've been thinking about this. I, I don't want to keep sounding like a broken record, or I, I don't want to keep sounding like somebody who's uh, I, like a moaner, like, oh, fucking hell, why this? Because as I've always said, basically, uh, to any band, don't moan, quit, okay? Because no one's forcing you to do this. No one's putting a gun to your head. Just fuck off and go and do something else, all right? Um, you can be bitter that it once paid more and now it doesn't, but nobody wants to hear it and it's not going to get you anywhere. So, you know, it's pointless. And so I, d I don't want to be one of those people, but I, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of, I, I guess what I'm trying to do is, is, is keep pushing home the re the, the, the realism of the situation. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's not my opinion, you know, it, it's, it's, way and, and and I know some of you might be sick of hearing oh it's way harder to make any money in music than, than it ever has been and it's true it's true 
it's just that um, it's it's at the stage now where yes, in the past people have had swimming pools and some people still do and make insane money, but that's no different to any other industry. And there's whereas whereas you know most of the people in that industry don't earn insane insane money. A lot struggle to make um, you know minimum wage. And I guess what I'm saying is that you know the music industry has become like any other industry, um, where you know back in the day, um, well, you know it, you, it, the 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 rewards were greater than they are now. Um, although again, are the rewards great? I think for some the rewards are even are even greater now actually. But that's for the right crossover. That's for the right getting the right song or the right video game on the right soundtrack, and 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 then you know moving the band to a brand and getting it across clothing and getting. I mean, because basically that is what you are doing now. If you are trying to create a band that's going to move forward, that is going to d- develop any kind of um, uh, decent living for the members, you have got to be looking at. Um, uh, uh, rolling out all sorts of new shit, and that's right. Across, I mean, that's why you're seeing like you know Anthrax whiskey and Megadeth coffee, and that's why they're all doing. It. That's why Dave Mustaine, a sober guy, is um, putting his name to Megadeth alcohol. Um, you know, and that's why you're seeing so much diversification, and that's because bands need to become brands to be able to sell so it's no longer like selling out back in the day you know if, if fucking hell if you know Metallica, Metallica or somebody like that come out with you know their own beer or something like that people would be absolutely slating them whereas now it's kind of like well it's impossible to sell out because to sell out you need to sell and um, and very few people buy so now it really is just a case of you've got to maximise every single opportunity out there everything whether it's a f- everything from a Christmas drunk, dr- Christmas drunker, a Christmas jumper, to coffee, to bedspreads, basically m- bands have got to become Kiss, and I can't believe what I'm doing. I can't believe this is happening live right now. That I am going to come to the conclusion that Kiss sort of all, always saw this, this coming, and um, and thought, well, then that's that is the way to make real money. The way make, way to make real money is not just sell records; it's sell all the other stuff. And when your records are as shit as Kisses, that's a great idea. Um, now it just means that it's what everyone has to do. Um, wow, I can't believe that, that I, I did not set out. I did not set out to come to this conclusion that Kiss were way ahead of this. How fucking bollocks! That's where I've ended up, isn't it? I've ended up at the church of, hey, Gene and Paul, top blokes know what they're doing. What the fucking hell? I'm not happy about that. I'm not happy about that at all. Um, right, fuck that. I'm, I'm, I'm stopping. I'm, I, I need a break. I need to try and deal with myself. Um, okay, look, first interview up. I uh, straight up apologise, okay? Um, this is an interview with uh, Bobby Blitz and myself. Um, and both these interviews are organised by a friend um, uh, called Chris Davies, who's been incredibly helpful. Um, and he knows Overkill, and it was also thanks to him that we got the Dan Spitz interview as well. So big shout out to Chris. Thank you very much, mate. Um, uh, now, the problem with this one is this finishes about 40 minutes in because the Skype connection is just not happening. Now... It's it it's okay. It starts off all right. It's in and out, and then it it really is a case of hanging in there. So I do apologise. It is what it is. Um, you'll hear during the interview. I I I hang up and try and call back, try and improve the connection. 
but in the end i just i at the end in the end it was a case of giving up really because it's and it's a weird one because it's really strong and then it comes well you'll hear you'll hear so um so apologies for this it is what it is but um i hope you enjoy it anyway because uh, bobby is always um always great to speak to and it was great to talk to him as always here's uh, me and bobby a couple of weeks ago hey hello hi hello hey dude how are you I'm. I'm. Ver- yeah, I got you. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good, good, good. We're uh, we're all dug out from the blizzard. It's actually melting, so uh, so life is back to normal. Yeah, that was um, that was that was pretty crazy. Uh, it, it, it's. I mean, we. You know, did you? I know your um, uh, your girlfriend has a has a, a boutique chocolate shop. If I remember rightly, were you um, were you having to dig that out as well? No, we, you know, that's been sold now for about uh, a year plus. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, we, she dumped it in, uh, oh, God, I guess um, uh, the end of 15, excuse me, the end of 15. Right, okay. Or, <clears throat> you know, for, for no other reason except she wanted to uh, spend a little more time with her husband, which was nice. <laughs> right, okay, and <laughs> I, I, d- does, does her husband mind? <laughs> of course, I argue that. Anybody who wants to spend more time with me, I should uh, I should bring flowers to my daily basis. <laughs> well, I'm 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 sure she's uh, so she's making she's making the most of you while you're while you're not on the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and uh, you know, we just got back uh, from the, the U.S. run, and uh, she pops out to see me, uh, you know, for, for a week and. You know, and, and explores uh, explores some states with me. So it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a nice little run for us. Uh, a couple of tours here, a couple of tours in Europe, and she's joined me for uh, all of them since uh, since selling the shop. Oh, that's cool, man! Because you're going to be um, you're you're going to be uh, you're going to be hitting the road for a considerable time now, aren't you? You're back on you're you're back on the uh, on the cycle. Well, we do we do the old guy the old guy schedule. There's always there's always a minimum of three weeks to a month between runs, so, so we can recharge. Yeah, Vis- visits visits to the osteopath and you know, yep. yeah, <laughs> vitamin C improves. Uh, <laughs> dude, dude, I know exactly what you mean. I'm, I mean, uh, I'm, I've. I just had a really high cholesterol reading, so I've had to completely change my diet and. Uh, and, and I'm seeing an osteopath as well, pre post pre tour and and post tour and mid tour as well. Um, so yeah, the pennies finally dropped with me that I that I am not 25 anymore. I you know I I, I get that feeling myself, but uh, you know there's every now and then there's that there's that glimmer of hope while standing on stage that you know, maybe immortality is possible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's, that's got to be the goal, but I'd I, I'd like immortality, and I'd like to be frozen at the at the, around the age of probably about I don't know about twenty eight. That would that would do nicely. Immortality and still aging, I'm I'm not so keen on. Yeah, you know, I've never had a problem with getting old. I mean, I've always kind of relished the fact that you know I, I think it's I think there's Rod Stewart. When I was younger, so I think it's kind of, uh, I, I don't have a problem with it, but, uh, but I do have a problem with, let's say, uh, like understanding that mobility will be limited in the very near future. Yeah. 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 I yeah. see that you guys are going out on the road soon, too, though, right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, um, yeah, we're heading out um, next Friday. Um, I mean, you know, it's a nice like th- three dates uh, and then a break and then three dates. So that's that's a UK tour for us. We're, um, you know, uh, unlike yourselves, we're uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to be hitting the road for weeks. But um, yeah, bringing a new song out on Friday and uh, it's yeah, it's quite exciting times. I've got to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's nice that you know the whole thing, especially the youth, have understood that. Uh, us old war horses actually have some value in this, you know, uh, through our experience and not our, our, our voice of angst and youth, but experience, and they uh, they come out and appreciate it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and and funnily enough, you know what you were just saying about age. I mean, I'm 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 very comfortable. Um, I'm very comfortable with my age and getting older as well, and I'm I'm constantly fighting. Um, I'm constantly fighting uh, my friends, and funnily enough, a, a lot a lot of our a lot of our um, followers on Facebook always using age as an excuse, like oh I won't be doing that, oh oh I'm too old, and it's, and it's I, I always trying to kind of trying to make the point that age is the reason to do something. It shouldn't be the reason to. It's just it's not an excuse to not do something. It's well, the, or, or the excuse to give up, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, oh I'm going to leave that to the young. Why? You know, I mean, it's it's oh, I won't be stage diving. I'm too old. You're never too old. I mean, <laughs> you know, you you're too old to catch people, maybe, but you're not too old to to to, to jump. That's the whole. Not, point. Not, not if you have a good osteopath, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and the ba- and the band has a good insurance policy, and the venue's cool with it, um, and everybody signs a disclaimer that they're not going to sue. And yeah, and by the time, yeah, once you've got all the paperwork out the uh, out the way, you can have some fun. Well, do you know? Do you know what my Affordable Care Act, uh, Mr. Obama's uh, um, health plan, when it came in, there was actually a clause that said no stage diving. Uncovered. <laughs> wow! Really? <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I was, I was hoping that was for the blog. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> no. Do you, do you know what? Do you know what? That nothing would surprise me. Um, <laughs> given what? Given politically, what's been going on with your country? Uh, nothing would surprise me. Hey, you know something? We need a good shakeup every now and then. And I, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you what my political uh, uh, affiliations are here, but I, I am going to say that sometimes you need to turn the after part over to actually see what you have. And and I, and I think that with that being said, I'm going to say I'm optimistic that um, in a situation that is so unique that it could reform the future. Because uh, it has to happen. It couldn't have gone long as it did go long uh, because of so many differences. So you have to go to extremes sometimes to find where the middle is. And I, and I think that we've just had two extremes. You know, we had eight years of one extreme, and now we're going to have at least four years of another extreme. So somewhere after all this is said and done, uh, we may look back on it and say, you know something, that was necessary. Maybe we've gotten to this point, or whatever that point may be. So, so I'm, uh, let's say, cautiously optimistic as uh, an American patriot here. Yeah, I think... Um... It's a bit like getting it's a bit like getting three quotes for something, isn't it? You know, you always go for three quotes, and you ignore the high, you ignore the low, and you go for the one in the middle. So, yeah, you 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 know, you do your third quote any day now. Well, and 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 maybe in about four years or eight years, if that's possible. Well, we'll see. You know, it's funny because you know, I I really try to stay out of politics when it comes to what I do. I I really don't know your internal workings with uh, acid rain, but you know, I've always looked at at. 
you know, what overkill does as a departure from uh, whether it be the humdrum or whether it be the, um, you know, extreme fear of, of where our country's going or what our political, economic, social issues are. That this is this is your vacation for election. That's why I've always kind of looked at this. And I, I've stayed away from politics, even though I absolutely love them. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a student of history. I, I love American history, and I understand that politics and history run hand in hand. But I, I remember I made a quote. Uh, I had a quote back in the Obama administration when when Obamacare came in, and I said, "Well, it doesn't work for me." You know, I said, "I, I travel. I we need to be covered in Brazil uh, or in the UK or in, uh, in Asia." Yeah, uh, it would cost me five times the amount of money with, with this plan, so I'm I'm against it. Well, in any case, I, I get branded as an absolute alternate right guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it shows up on my Wikipedia page that I'm critical uh, of the Obama administration and a right wing And you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, somebody's got to turn this out before over. What I said is. is, is, is as any Well, you know what they say, um, always avoid religion and politics. Um, Bobby, could you do me a favour? Um, if you've got if you've got your camera switched on, can you switch your ca- can you switch your camera off? Uh, I did. You did. Brilliant. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. No, it's great because we just keep we we just keep the uh, the quality of the line just keeps fluctuating a bit. Well, that's uh, that's happening because the White House is working out something right now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, it's a well well known well known Obama critic and um, <laughs> extreme right supporter uh, Bobby Blitz is talking to the UK. So um, yeah, they probably think yeah, that pa- we're strategizing pa- a revolution here. Polishing my jackboots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's well. Look, um, uh, I, things have moved on. I, was, I really enjoyed our, uh, our our chat back when you were in um, uh, when you were in London. And um, obviously, at the at the time, I was still trying to. I was still struggling to piece together um, any version of my band to get back out on the road. Um, I remember. And believe it or not, um, we share the same live agent in the UK. Uh, Sharon. Yes. Oh, super! Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hopefully, um, we—you never know—we might even get to play some shows together. Oh, could be, could be. I mean, we're uh, we're heading back over, but I think it's going to be uh, the Headbangers Ball Tour. Uh, It's going to be um, a package that comes through in December. Yeah. of uh, 17. So I'm not sure if you can get on any of those shows, but we'd love to see you. Yeah, no, no, that, that is often, well, thank you very much, but that, that is often the way. I mean, um, you know, I mean, uh, I had a, uh, I had a call with, um, what, uh, Zetro from Exodus was like, uh, saying, look, dude, we're coming through the UK, you know, you guys around, it'd be awesome to have you on the bill. But of course, when you, it, then you, then you get like agents talking and everything else. And, 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 you know, the tour is a package for, you know, the UK all the way through Europe, and it's it's you know, so it is written, so it is done. Yes, uh, yes, it, it's it's obviously morphed into something different than it used to be. It's not, um, well, you know, I, I guess they have it figured out to some degree because it still continues uh, on a decent level for for uh, you know a good majority of us, and I, I I think once you're kind of in that 
stable uh, and you're on that package, I, you, you understand, you know, if it can be uh, fruitful and, uh, and successful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, you know, you guys have got a tried and tested, a tried and tested business model that has that has survived everything that the the music industry industry can throw at it. I mean, you know, yeah. you're like poster boys for um for for having a you know a, a really on the money business model. Um, yeah. Did that did that kind of just develop? Is it something that you know was it was it something you were conscious of, or is it just kind of you know ended up that way? It's called it's called Nuclear Cockroach Incorporated. It's, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of hard to kill. You know, it, it, you can live you can live through the radiation. You can live through anything. Um, you, you know what happened with us was um, uh, we were brought up by uh, some some great guys. Uh, these guys um, they ran two uh, clubs in the New York area called the Moon. And, and now, Moon was like the place to go. It was much like uh, the country club with the Whiskey and Go-Go, maybe the Marquee Club in, uh, in London uh, back in the day. But, but these guys owned that club, and, and they brought in a third partner. So it was two brothers who owned the club, and they brought in a third partner. And that guy went on to, uh, to Sony and much bigger things and worked right under uh, Tommy Mottola, you know, for, for years. But they were great managers, and, and they taught us, uh, you know, we paid attention. They explained everything. So when, you know, when the times got a little bit, let's say, tight or tough in the 90s, when we were paying management 20% of that particular point, uh, we realized that that cash flow would be positive for us today and be able to solidify the, the, the platform we wanted to launch our passion for. So we started managing ourselves. So that business model was actually handed to us or, or taught to us by these three individuals back in the day. And Didi and myself just took that and applied it to, let's say, a later time, you know, the, the late 90s, early 2000s. And that business model, uh, as, as you know, has been uh, something we've uh, not only been proud of, but something we've been able to launch our passion from now for the yeah, ab- absolutely. Abs- uh, um, Bobby, if you can just bear with me one second, I'm going to call you straight back just to see if I can get a better connection. Yeah, it's great on this end. It must be. Uh, it must be something over there. Yeah, no, it's just it's really weird because it's coming in. It's coming in and out. It's like you know, you're you're really good quality, and then it sounds like you disappear down a tunnel. So just bear with me one second. Very good, man. Cheers, man. Okay, I'm trying here, folks. Okay, I really am. So let's give Bobby another call. How are we doing there? Uh, that, oh, that, that sounds cool, man. That sounds good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. So, um, One, two. You, you said you said you were doing. Um, you've done. All, you've done a lot of research. Um, all about. Um, all about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just. I was just busting your. Uh, your. Your nuts because. Uh, yeah. Probably yeah. more so because of the name of your. Uh, your blog. But, um, yes, yeah, yeah. T- talking Brexit, talking bollocks, yep. talking, bre- talking, talking bollocks, Brexit, Trump, and uh, what was the other? Oh, Acid Rain, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, do you know what? I always struggle. I always struggle to name the podcast because I always have a title for each podcast. I think you've just named it there. <laughs> that that's great. That's talking talking bollocks, Brexit, Trump, 
And I think we might have to change um, Acid Rain for Overkill because, um, you know, uh, I, I want to get more than 10 listeners. Um, over, o- over Rain, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. O- overrated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool, man. So, um, it, when do you, um, so when do you head out? You're at home for a while now. Yeah, we're going to do some, uh, we're reorganizing ourselves. Um, I, you know, as we talked earlier about turning the apple cart over, we've uh, acquired a new agent um, in the U.S. Uh, in North America exclusively. Um, we are in the process of putting together a DVD that we had filmed in 2016, April, in Germany. Uh, so we're going to be home for a six-week period and then out again in June. Um, and it's going to be pretty much festival and some headline shows uh, attached to it. So, you know, over to Russia, uh, possibility of South America prior to that for 10 shows, uh, uh, going to Copenhagen in June, uh, then some stuff in July, Bang Your Head just chimed in, then we have two weeks in August, and then a full U.S. tour again in uh, September uh, with this new agent. So it's, it's kind of a reorganizational process for us. Uh, she she on the release of the record, but um, I think in the long run, it's going to really work out. Oh, that's really cool. So, I mean, you'd say a change of management upturning the apple cart there. Was that, was that just, was that a change is as good as a rest, or was that a case of, was it a necessity, did you feel? Oh, it's just, uh, it's just good to clean house sometimes. I mean, this is just a booking agent uh uh, Didi and myself will continue on with the management, um, but uh, you, you know I think it's good to to bring new people in, uh, especially if they want it. Uh, if they, you know, to some degree, you make contact and then they're pursuing you. Uh, you get great results always on the front end of those relationships. So I think it was his time uh, to 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 get a better agent, to get some better shows, and he, he's already paid off. He, he actually booked us on uh, what's called the Metal Alliance uh, through the States. We get the headline. There's going to be a, another package, uh, four bands. Uh, but it's uh, approximately 25 shows across uh, the entire country. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. That sounds it. Sounds it. And um, and how's the uh, how's the art collection coming on? Because um, I know you um, I know art's a bit of a passion and. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. You were talking about some um, some bombs, I think, that you own. Does yeah, that you have a great memory? You have a great memory. They weren't bombs; they're actually vases made from uh, bomb molds. That's it. Uh, yes, they um, they were uh, they were called lava vases. Actually, uh, post World War II, just post, uh, started in uh, Germany um, as. Um, Kind of a, a positive way to clean up some of the, the debris and rubble from uh, from the, the destruction of, uh, of many of the German cities. And they uh, they went on through the seventies. And uh, I own a couple from the seventies. They're a little bit more hippie-ish. Uh, they're glazed um, orange um, mirrors that are that are vases uh, the size of something you'd see fall out of. Uh, Probably uh, the Luftwaffe. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, kind of cool. But that, the last piece I added was uh, I went to uh, Monterey, Mexico, and I, and I picked up a, um, a, a union uh, skull. It, it's, it's not a real skull, but it's uh, in fact something of such. Uh, but uh, it's made out of uh, black 
Mexican flag. And this only comes from one region in Mexico. And it's it's done by the indigenous people of that of that area and they make all their art out of this and they they uh, you know they fire kill it um, and then they glaze it but it's polished to almost this kind of a black green look. But that was the that was the last piece I added was this uh, this skull from uh, southern Mexico. That's that sounds absolutely unique. Yeah, it's really really different, really different piece. Um, and it was a you know it was actually brought up from uh, I think it's probably the southern Yucatan up into Monterey. And I, I know this art dealer there that's uh, that's pretty cool and, and we were doing a show in Monterey. So I you know I walked on over and saw what he had, and this was something that grew up in my eyes. Wow, that's that's awesome. That is all, and, and um, presumably with um, with your girlfriend selling um, her um, chocolate shop, do you um, do, do you miss dressing up as the Easter Bunny? <laughs> your memory is off. Well, no, you know I still do it around the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and, and I bet you don't do it at Easter either. <laughs> yeah, much like. Much like Montgomery used to dress up around the house too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I can well imagine. Uh, well, you see, I am I am a student of history. <laughs> you, you, you are, yeah, very much so, very much so. Um, yeah, that, no, that was a that was a I, I've I've retold your story about being uh, about being spotted dressed as the Easter Bunny many a time. Um, <laughs> so I, that I, that really really tickled me. I think that's that 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 is that's true fame. That Bobby, that is that is that's what makes you a thrash icon. If you remember, <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you when I when I when I finally write a book of all the anecdotes that I've, I've run into for all these years, it's not going to be the history of Overkill or anything. It's just going to be all the shit that we would do, uh, for instance, on, on on talking bollocks. I'm going <laughs> to name the book, "Mommy, the Easter Bunny Smells Like Beer." <laughs> Oh my God! Is that is that is that a genuine quote? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That is a shame. But that is that is a that is a great title, man. That is a great title. I would certainly buy that. But it's <laughs> that's superb. That is absolutely superb. Um, so you've got the um, uh, you've got the the Overkill Battle Bus will be readying itself for Europe. Um, is that you? You hire your bus out, don't you? When you're when you're not using it, it, it stays in Europe. Uh, we we always lease. Um, we put it in the budget. We've never owned a bus. We've always uh, always leased. Um, it, it's always about the budget for us. You know, you know, as we talked earlier about understanding that, you know, it's really a it's a two pronged approach here. I mean, obviously, passion has to be first, but you need that platform launch your passion from and that's a positive cash flow and I don't yeah. think anybody in their 50s can go out unless you're independently wealthy you can't go out and say I'm just going to tour for you know you know for three weeks or a month and who cares if you make or lose uh, in, in this case we have to you know make it a positive uh, cash flow so uh, so leasing is what it's all about there's always competitive prices out there so it, so it works for us to lose yeah no I, I the, the reason is I, I, I heard um a rumor of well, I, I heard obviously incorrectly now that you actually that you that you had your own bus and that you and that you rented you rented that out to bands in Europe while you weren't using it. Well, I mean, it sounds it's 
speaking of business models, it sounds like a good thing. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, you, maybe you and I could start such a thing. I, I think we're going to need about half a million uh, pounds to uh, get it started with. Oh well, well, that, that's not a problem. I'll, 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 I'll sort, I'll sort the half a million pounds out. You find a bus. <laughs> well, I'm sure we could have. But seriously, yeah, it does. It does sound like a decent business model, doesn't it? And you know, who, who better would know? Um, you know, who better would know than bands? What kind of, you know, what kind of bus bands want? But. Um, it's just, I mean, everybody is just constantly on the road at the moment. Obviously, with the you know, with the, with the change in the business, you know, people don't want to take too much time off because whilst you're off the road, you're effectively just burning money. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's 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 got to be. I mean, it's it, it's kind of the way the business has changed. Obviously, there's the it's a different focus now, and it is and it is live. We're all essentially t-shirt t-shirt sellers. Um, is I mean, is that a concern? Do you when you're at home when you're off the road? Is it a case of like you know, you, you're looking at your bank balance and watching it and just watching it you know go go down like there's a, there's a hole in it and thinking shit we need we we need to get either back on the road or you know we need to do an album soon. I mean it's it's these are the practicalities of 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 a band you know in in the current climate. Well, I, you know I I, I think um, if that's your only source of revenue, yes. Um, but I think that, and, and you're at this level, you know, a real level or, or my level, I'm sure it's a concern, uh, you know, under that guise. But, you know, I, I don't know if it's a work ethic or um, you know, this was the, the immigrant court. This was, uh, New York, New Jersey was where Europe arrived to uh, embrace their new life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm second generation American, you know, my, my uncles and aunts and my mom are first generation. That work ethic has been instilled in me, um, you know, from my grandfathers, both of them, um, and and always have had something else. You know, I mean, that's always that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's not. You know, there's 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 a. I, I mean, I, I even pop off cars every now and then. It's it's like somebody asked me, "What would you do if you were in a band?" I said, "Well, I got a mouthpiece to sell used cars." And I, you know, and I was thinking about it one day and I, I said, I actually do. So I started collecting old cars, you know, and, and occasionally we'll, we'll often. I mean, these are, are great old pieces of American art, you know, with, with regard to, you know, what they look like, uh, their desire, for, you know, the middle-aged guy going through the crisis. And I got a 67 Chevelle sitting out the garage right now with a 396 cubic inch engine with brand new paint and 500 miles on the thing. I mean, if the Yeah. But I think that, you know, that's kind of the point, that there's always something else that has to roll into it. And when we took over this management back in 1994, we knew that, you know, a positive cash flow was going to get us what we wanted, not us to play an overkill. But I think that that looks into other parts of life, too. So, so in, in this camp, it's usually not an issue, you know, um, but we still treat the business that it has to be now that business of overkill has to be in black. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Actually, uh, that that Chevelle has your name on it, by the way. I can I can have it shipped too. Oh, uh, lovely, great, yeah. Just put it just <laughs> just just put it in the post. Um, uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'll pick it up, no problem. Um, but it, so, do you um, do you and Didi get involved with uh, merch designs and stuff like that as well, or is that something that you you, you farm out to a, a tried and trusted source? 
Well, you know, we have we, we have a great reputation for merch. Our, our merch has always been of, of a high quality with regard to print, um, and it's always been um, forever changeable. Um, you know, not just a mess, not uh, uh, not bad prints, uh, really fine art, art that represents us. We, with regard to management, it's uh, it's another let's say positive or fun part of this is that everything that represents the band. Uh, goes across my desk and Dana's desk, and we make decisions on it, um, uh, you know, as a, as a partnership. So we do. Uh, we do right down to backdrops, right down to the amount of cabinets on the stage, the amount of lights, what kind of lights we're using, how many moving lights we're doing. We bring eight last time. Let's bring, you know, let's bring 12 or 16 this time. Uh, let's not just do the album artwork. Let's do something different for the merch. Let's make the banners different, the backdrops. So what represents Overkill goes through, you know, the, the desk I'm sitting at right now and, and another desk in another part of New Jersey. So, so it becomes more of a vested interest then. You know, it's not just, oh, that's cool that this guy gave you this. You're saying, hey, man, this represents me. Therefore, let's let us make the decision on this as, as opposed to him. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I get that. And, you know, it's, it's, it represents you and, and, and it's going to be... It's going to be worn by other people, um, you know. They're going to, they're going to wear it around. They and they're, they're going to be representing you, and you you know you, you want you want to have control over that. I ab- I absolutely get that. Um, but you, but isn't the greatest motivation for this pride? I mean, you know it. I, I, I mean, it's that feeling you have on stage, um, and and you're proud of, of you know what you do, and it, it becomes a motivator, and it just goes everywhere else. It's not just about that moment on stage. It's it's about everything else. You can you can bleed that pride into every part of your life if you're making decisions with how you represent it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely and, and 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 as you say, I think it, it does it comes from comes from you know it comes from how you're raised it comes from you know very very much um it goes right back to you know your your, your upbringing and that, and that I think I think you know a work ethic is something that you can't fake. You know, you you you've either got it or you haven't. And 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 it's the same old story, isn't it? You know, talent will only get you so far, but a strong work ethic will take you take you where you want to go. Well, you know, I've never thought of uh, you know. I I don't speak for others or or you or others in this genre. I've never thought of Overkill as artists. You know, I've kind of thought of us as you know uh, guys who get the job done. You know, we're happy with our tools on. We build houses. We're we're craftsmen. Uh, We're just trying to make a better house every time. Uh, and, and I think that that kind of frees us up from, you know, the, the, the tortured artist mentality. You know, it, it, back in the 90s when we started, you know, we took over this business to manage ourselves fully. It wasn't about people not understanding our genius um, because thrash was being stomped on by, you know, by a, a, a grunge genre that came out of the Northwest in the United States, the Nirvanas and Sound Gardens and you know, et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't about that. It was about how do we reinvent this to get to those who like this? You know, if I was sitting in my parents' basement in 1997, chain-smoking marbles, drinking beer, wondering why nobody understood my genius, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. So so I, I kind of look at it as a craftsman way of doing things, or a reinvention of every time that we have an opportunity to make the most out of that opportunity. And, and I think that that's what's working yeah, no, it's um, it takes it's it takes a lot of work, and um, 
Uh, and, and I mean, forgive me for forgive me for bringing this up if it's something that you're either tired of talking about or you have addressed before, but it's not something that um, I, given what we're talking about and you know, and business and, and and ownership and everything and everything else. Have you um, have you ever had a conversation with the um, with the Avenged Sevenfold camp? Um, is there any feelings within you know within within the band that there's um, there's uh, you know there's there's a problem there or is it more a case of you know um um, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery hang on just a second let me get my lawyer in here (laughs) (laughs) he's not at liberty to talk about that (laughs) right okay (laughs) you know i think that everything i just told you uh answers that um yeah everything i told you is the truth about overkill um, um, which is the way I see overkill. I think that question is really answered there. This is, you know, <laughs> much like much like the UK has its reputation for many things, and this point in the United States has its reputation for many things, and, and laying down is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I've got you. I've got you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Um, uh, well, it was very good of you to get your lawyer in to just um, uh, just straighten that out for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a recording. That's it. I'm just gonna press it. And it's gonna be somebody else saying who's not at liberty to speak about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that, that's that, 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 and that's absolutely fine. I mean, you know, that's that's I I I, I kind of had to ask because, uh, like I said, I hadn't I hadn't read anywhere anything about it, and and now I know why. um but that's but that's cool that's cool um so you you said you is it the summer you're coming through to the uk uh not during summer uh we should be in the uk uh end of the year celebrating uh uh, christmas with you guys um i I got some dates the other day i don't have them right in front of me unless i start doing a lot of clicking and searching on my computer but uh it starts somewhere in Somewhere in late November and goes into mid December, so uh, I, I think we play somewhere in December. Right. Okay. That's cool. All right. And are you doing? Are you doing the? Are you doing the festival? Um. You doing the festival circuit in the summer? Yeah, I'm gonna be. Uh, oh, jeez, we're doing Into the Grave in the Netherlands, uh, Legends of Rock in uh, Spain, Open Hell, uh, Party Sand. It's um, the big one. Summer Breeze in Germany. Uh, so probably uh, six, seven festivals, uh, but also, you know, connected with some headlines. Uh, like I said, Russia, there's going to be some German headlines. We're doing, uh, in October, we're doing Loud Park in Japan, which is a, a big one. Uh, we're connecting that to our first uh, Chinese shows. Uh, and then off to Australia to do uh, uh, four or five, um, you know, their east coast of uh, Australia, where the majority of the cities are. Wow, so you're getting to go to China for the first time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that is... Right, so is that via this new booking agent, then? Uh, no, it actually isn't. Uh, the, our booking agent is North American. Uh, this is our European agent um, out of Germany. Uh, you know, we've had offers in the past. It's just um, you know, it's just a matter, again, of making it uh, financially viable to, to have it be... You know, financially positive to be able to launch this correctly, not you know, you know one cabinet piece and, and, and three lights kind of thing. It's it's about putting on you know a show that um, that we're proud of. Uh, yeah, you know, our, our standard. Um, 
And and that's you know that's a, a lot of the times. And, and I, I think it's something you know, especially since the revitalization of the scene uh, that really reinvested in themselves. Um, you know, again, it comes back to us, the amount of lights and it's got to be uh, a proper connection because you know, it, it's reputation and again pride. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 the same goes the same goes for Australia as well because I mean it's just it's 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 not near anywhere, is it? Yeah, no, definitely not. We've been there once before, and it was a real good experience for us, um, and, and nice to be invited back. Um, so, so let's see what happens. I mean, it's right, we're right on the cusp of uh, accepting those shows, so we'll see what happens. So um so what so what do you do with your time when you're um when you're off the road? Are you um, apart from when you're not you know selling cars? Um, yeah, you know how do you how do you spend your time between between tours? Is it just is it just chilling out and you know spending time with your lady? Well, it's um, uh, I, I live kind of in a, a, a rural mountain area. I'm not anywhere near a city. I'm in the, the far northwest corner of New Jersey. It's uh, uh, the mountains here called the foothills to the Appalachians. We get uh, you know thousand foot elevations. Um, I live within them. I live on the top of one of these foothills. Uh, kind of overlooks the lake, so it's really, you know, it's kind of a nature-bound uh, uh, area to live in. It's it's fishing and hunting. Um, I have uh, four generations of uh, black bear that live on my property. Um, you know, I've known the, the the grandma, the mom, the daughter, the great grandma. You know, they constantly keep mating, giving birth, and, and, and probably within the next two months, I'm going to see cubs walking around in my in my garden, you know, again. So it, it, it's a really great place, uh, a China place to live with regard to, you know, say London or Tokyo or Berlin or Los Angeles. You know, it's, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the anti-city. So <laughs> it, it's, uh, a lot of my spare time is spent outside. Um, you know, we've been missing. And, and a lot of that's hyping. Kind of my wife and I have raised German shepherds, um, so we love the breed, and, uh, and uh, so we love the area, so we're always out with the birds, and we're always in the camp. I do a lot of uh, making a bigger carbon footprint with uh, American engines. I, uh, I have a little vet that I can drive around them, and I'm going to take care of it. And we're excited to do this yesterday. Okay, look, Bobby, um, we're going to have to leave it there because, um, unfortunately, the, um, the the Skype signal this end is really um, is really deteriorating, uh, oh. which is a real shame. Um, but look, uh, I really appreciate your time, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, thank you very much for um, for for sorting this slot out. Um, it's been uh, it, I, I really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, you know, look, look forward to look forward to bumping bumping into you over here and um, uh, and, and wishing you a merry Christmas. Good fun, man. Cool, man. You take care. Always a pleasure, Howard. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye, bye. Fucking hell! It was uh, yeah, not great at the end, there, guys. I'm I'm sorry, but you know, I'm at the mercy of technology. What can I say? Fucking sucks.
And there you have my chat with Bobby. What a cool guy. What an absolute guy. And it, it was a real shame that um, that we weren't able to get a, a little bit more um, on there. But as you could as you could hear, it was it was kind of going pretty much downhill. Um, so there you go. Um, keep an ear out for um, uh, for overkill dates. They're going to be happening fairly soon. They're coming to Europe. But, um, there is going to be some UK stuff coming across. So. Uh, Keep an eye out, folks. Um, so, um, a little shout out to um, to Chuck and Godless who were on on the last episode um, and the Metal Podcast, um, which is definitely one to check out. They used to do the Metal Sucks Podcast. They've moved on. They now do their own. Um, and um, they were on the show last week. And since that um, episode was out, um, Chuck has had his radio show of 12 years cancelled um it finishes the end of this month and it's it's really really sad news it really is um it, he's an absolute fucking legend of the area he is one of the pillars of the metal community out in austin um and instantly recognizable you know i mean it's amazing the amount of people I talk to who 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 know him have had dealings with him um and lovely guys you all heard you know and and he puts up with godless so you know the guy's obviously got a fucking um uh, patience like no one <laughs> um that's yeah anyway um so it was just a really really disappointing to hear so it's more important than ever now that as many of you um as possible uh, tune in, tune in, folks, to um, to the metal podcast with Chuck and Godless, um, because uh, yeah, you know Chuck's uh, going to be out in the street soon. He's going to be begging on the uh, in not just online um, with Patreon, but uh, offline as well if he's not careful. So yeah, it's a real real end of an era there, and uh, and um, a very very sad sign. Um, and I did want to mention that because I really do feel for the guy. Um, you know, that's uh, just to have it taken away and not like kind of like you know. Oh, you, it's, we're going to wind it down, and it's going to end in three months. Is like, hey, come in, yeah. Uh, this is finishing at the end of the month. Fuck, really? That's that's some heavy fucking shit. That really is. So anyway, my best to you, Chuck, and um, and I'm sure all the bollockers would wish you well as well. Um, so uh, moving on. Um, oh, Corey Taylor's making an appearance again on the podcast. Not um, not via tweet this time, but. Um, I, I, in the past, I have said about bands going on about their stuff and saying it's great, and obviously they're bound to say that, aren't they? But this one really takes the biscuits, okay? Corey Taylor, um, on Stone Sour's new album, we've captured... Right, this is what he said. We've captured lightning in a jar that nobody's seen in a thousand years. Uh, no, Corey, what you've, what you've actually captured is a mid-paced radio rock album that is nothing remarkable about it whatsoever other than more than 10 people listen to it because you sing on it. I mean, Stone Sour is some of the most retrograde, backwards, boring, middle-of-the-road, Alice in Chains with the balls cut off, absolute garbage I've ever heard I mean I love the guy I love his voice but Stone Sour is just plain fucking average 
It's, I mean, it's so middle of the road. It is the stripes in the middle of the road. It couldn't be any more middle of the road. It's getting run over. It is so middle in the road. And I, just lightning. I Just let me say that again. Let, for, this is an experienced fucking guy here. Not me, him. Okay? Here, let me say, We captured lightning in a jar that nobody's seen in a thousand years. Now, that was such a ludicrous statement. I read the article twice to make sure that he wasn't that it wasn't somebody basically creating clickbait and had taken that phrase and he was talking to something else like literally he'd caught some lightning in a jar like one night when they were out whatever i don't know you fucking make it work i can't and um yeah i i i I took a kite out with a key on it to see if i could capture some lightning and uh instead i caught this rather fantastic radio rock album um I don't know what's going on, um, but for fucking hell, really? I read the article. He really does refer to the new Stone Sour album. I've got to say it again. We have captured lightning in a jar that nobody's seen in a thousand years. I mean, really? Really? No one's seen for a thousand years, mind you. It might sound shit. I mean, it might look great, but... Um, on, I mean, that's just that is just ludicrous. You can't be saying that. You cannot be saying that. Um, and there's, self, there's something else that you cannot be saying. Please, from me to the Metallica camp, can everybody, everyone in the band, everyone in management, anybody connected to the band, can we get on this page? And this page is nobody wants to fucking hear about your song with Lady Gaga ever again okay it was shit even if james hatfield's mic has been working it would have been shit it caused me to feel rather embarrassed while i was watching it um it was a a a bad idea it was a mistake that went wrong it was all over the place it was terrible and no amount of lars kirk James or Rob saying how great it was or how great she was to connect with or what and I'm sick and tired of Large's energy quotes about oh she's got an amazing energy or she's got this energy and oh, fuck off you bald cunt I'm fucking sick of oh it was just so organic and oh no it wasn't wonderful no it wasn't great no it was shit it was shit Lars that's what it was it was shit and we're all fucking sick of hearing about it um, I, I, I'm, I'm sick of talking about it. Totally sick. Um, so, um, so something that's um, uh, a little sad was um, well, it's very sad actually. Um, former Venom, uh, former Venom manager, uh, manager, former Venom manager Eric Cook has died, and um, I knew Eric. I knew Eric. Um, I hadn't seen him for many years. Um, uh, always a whale of a time working with him. Um, I knew him very... I saw a lot of him when I was in Newcastle, when I lived up there. Um, and just a really nice guy. One of the one of the more genuine blokes. Um, you know, I mean, if he was going to fuck you over, he'd tell you he was going to fuck you over. <laughs> um, and he was just... Yeah, just a really, really, really nice guy. And it was, it was a real surprise to find out. He'd only been... Um, he'd only been ill since December. Um, and, um, and it was a very, a very aggressive form of cancer. Um, and, um, and it took him very, very quickly, very quickly. Um, so anyway, 
Very sad, um, but let's move on. It's time for the Dan Spitz interview. That's not something anyone has said on any show very recently. Um, this again was organised by Chris, my, um, who um, organised it through Overkill, which was fucking awesome. Um, and yeah, Dan's got a lot to say. He's getting a band back together. Um, he's got a lot to say about what he's going to be doing and what he has done. And this is me and him and him saying it. Enjoy. Hey, my man. Hey, I got you. You got video or you got just audio? Um, I, I, I've got, I've got video, but I tend to keep it just audio because it keeps the bandwidth, um, strong. You got, I didn't know what you wanted. You want me to ring you back on just audio or you like this? Uh, no, I'm cool. This is, this is good, man. Yeah, man. Well, nice to meet you. I appreciate it very much. (laughs) Hey, no, you too, Dan. Um, and no, I'm, I'm the one who appreciates it because, um, yeah, I mean, interviews with you, there, there's not many of them out there. No, I haven't uh, agreed to do any. You'd be one of the few. The only, the only ones I've done in many, many years is a few for my uh, watchmaking, and I don't even do those. As you can see, I, you know, I gave, I let CNN do a, a short documentary on myself because they would mention heavy metal. Um, and you know my past and the weird collision and freak that I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's re- that's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, so was, was that was that kind of like a um, um, was that kind of like a clincher for that for that CNN deal where where it's like look I want I want you to mention you know I want, I want you to mention heavy metal etc. Yeah, because people have this perception of you know. Uh, might I say, you know, the average, you know, person who doesn't know the in-depth of what thrash metal was, why it was created, what heavy metal is, um, to the point of, you know, we're a religion, you know, we're, we're, we're people who just, no matter what it looks like from the outside looking in, if you're a, you know, if you're a Barbra Streisand fan, which I am as well, um, you know, but kind of looking at the heavy metal, we look like these, like, evil dudes with, you know, our battle jackets on and we're going to go kill your town when we have a concert and everybody invades. But in truth, you know, what we, what we all created way back when, and me and, and James and Kirk and, and Mustaine and, um, and Kerry King and everyone, is uh, it really is a family and culture of love. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not normal like everyone else. Most of us are extreme achievers. They're, they're starting to see it as we've spread now you know, into the art of tattoos. It's not tattooing, it's art now. Yeah. You see, we have intellect is where I'm going with this. Some of us are, you know, doctors and lawyers and very smart people. So I will not let someone just interview me about my watchmaking because I, as freaky as it sounds, I've, got, I, um, I've achieved more actually in Switzerland watchmaking at a higher level than actually I did in my music. So it's kind of freaky. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, absolutely. I want people to know that, you know, we can have in heavy metal, um, you know, dual careers and we're all smart. And when we get together, you better watch out, bro. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's about challenging the norms and making people realize that, um, uh, you know, it, it is the old classic, you know, being judged by the way you look. Yes. And, it, and it's wrong because... Um, metal, you know, and Iomi and, you know, created it. It was, 
because we're all different. We're, we actually, most of us, even if we're in the audience, we're, you know, we're filled with this artistic freedom, no matter where it extends to, it, you know, not necessarily being art, but something in the arts field. Or we're, we're always, most of us are kind of breaking the rules. You know, everyone I meet always has a wonderful, incredible story of their life at this point in my life. Um, their stories are a little longer, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're just, you know, what people used to laugh at in the beginning, uh, the beginning days yeah. uh, when we started, it's not true anymore. We're, you know, it's a second generation coming now and we're, we're not going away. It's massive now. It's massive, man. What we, what we've accomplished and what our music has accomplished. Um, me and Johnny, John Jazula, uh, Megaforce Records and yeah. manager Metallica and, and myself, um, you know, we were just talking about that a month or so ago, you know. The old days, like the first albums, when you know Metallica was sleeping on our rehearsal room floor or in Johnny Z's basement. Yeah, we were in the studio up in Ithaca, New York. Me and Scott and Johnny would come up, and you know, we listen to a song, and we look at each other and go, Can "You imagine if this stuff like one day is like on a TV commercial?" And then we look at each other again and go, "And start cracking up, like, yeah, right, you know." And but look where it is now. It's, yeah, it's it's on plant. My song's playing on Mars. I mean, that's sick. Yeah, no, I I I read about that. Um, I, and um, it's funny you should say about the um the the dual life as well because I um um I used to sing for a um a UK thrash band back in the day called Acid Rain, um, and I've spent twenty years since doing stand up comedy, um, and and then I've 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 kind of got the band back together, although it's new guys, um. Uh, back in 2015 and it, but it, it's it's amazing that people who know me through music that's 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 who I am and that's how they see me and they always will they can't kind of wrap their minds around me you know being being a comedian I'm the metal guy and that's it <laughs> and yeah and it's more so now because you know the music industry took a dive when you know nobody buys albums and you know it really is not what it was so yeah. it's a different way to um, not just express yourself, but at, the music was placed back in the artist's hands to do what they'd like to do with it. So it's just another form of art, which meant someone such like as yourself, um, you can do music and, you know, you can make your living somewhere else. Or, you know, if it starts to shift, you know, then, you, you know, you can do a less of that and do more of your music. You know, because we all actually, you know, we have to eat and put food on the table. Yeah, so, there, you know, maybe. Yeah, so there is that. It, yeah, it's it's birthed it's birth that good and bad that we all know. You know, the, the kid in Iowa, you know, is all alone in his room, and he used to be a hip hop dude yesterday, and today he thinks he went out and bought a guitar and he can do heavy metal. You know, he can make that kind of music through whatever means digitally he he can, and so you know, people kind of laugh or pass judgment on someone such as that person. But we had that way back when too. It just wasn't so apparent in our face, you know. Those good bands and bad bands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, no, you, you, you no mentioned one ever says that. I've never heard anybody say that. Anybody. They're always knocking someone for trying. I'm, you know, I mean, back in the old days, of course, we say you're a poser, dude. You're out. You know, I mean, it's a hair band. You're out. Um, you can't play. You can't play. You, you, you know, you know, you're not, you're not part of thrash metal. That's why thrash metal. That's where we birthed all of thrash metal. That's you know, if anyone really knows all the reasons of how it started we didn't sit around a table like this and you know say we're going to do something it's what was in us was pissing us off yeah um, i was 
I was on a tour bus when I was 13 playing because I sat in my room for 10, 15 hours a day and I learned how to play my instrument and write songs and study how songs are written, study the business part part of how the industry works and I you know, run the businesses. But we would look at hair bands and the guy can't even play two chords. And <laughs> it's not like punk rock. You know, punk rock's incredible. It's, it's about anger. It's like we're going to play two chords, but we're going to play in the best way two chords can be played and rip your face off. Yeah. So there's a difference there. Um, and you know, then that's where we, that's where the term and all that poser stuff came from, because we're just looking at them going, you don't deserve to be on stage. You, you should be just on Broadway because you suck. You can't play. You <laughs> yeah. suck. So why don't you try and step on our stage? You know why? Cause we play and there ain't nothing on tape here, bro. Like we're going to rip your face off. It's battle of the bands every single night. It's battle of the bands. And yeah. That's metal, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and you you mentioned there about um uh, you know about how the music business has changed, and of course it has, and you kind of um you kind of got out originally from from Anthrax around the time of that really was all just starting to kick in. Did did that play any kind of um did that play in your thoughts at all um as to you know your move away from Anthrax um or was it other reasons? As well, no, my move, my move away to leave the band that me and Scott created was, was of my choice and had nothing to do with that. I watched that afterwards. I was, I was probably already through my first school of watchmaking in America. That was a three and a half year school I did in a year and a half, and then shortly after that, that's when Switzerland found me, and and I started with complications and, and spent maybe ten years in Switzerland. So I watched the whole thing happen from an outsider's perspective which was all very weird for me because um, I've never been outside. I've been playing guitar, you know, ever since the day I can ever remember I was playing guitar. It's, it was very weird for me to make the transition and I'm kind of walking around and, and all the, these years in Switzerland as well, um, you know, in depth, you know, concentration in school and just like just like learning how to play guitar. I've been watchmaking since I'm eight, but getting these – Getting to where I had to be, which is called a watchmaker, uh, um, a master watchmaker of complication specialists. It means you work on the most complicated mechanical timepieces known to exist in anywhere on the planet. Yeah. So you got to there's, there, there's like no one in America like me. It's there's only a couple people in Switzerland. So when you're there, you know, and I'm I'm in my OCD mode doing that. It's the same as you know me and Scott and everyone saying, yeah, we're going to take over the world with a piece of wood and six little metal strings. It's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, like people laughing at it, like, yeah, you'll get to that top of, of watchmaking. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I'll go down with Lars, and, and you know, as it, all, as it all started, I just saw the demise of everything. And, of course, me and, you know, me and David Stain are best friends. At that time, no one ever knew that. We always kept our friendship, um, how close it was, very quiet. Um, so, you know, I was always talking to Dave and so I, I he heard everything from Dave and everyone, but I didn't want to be part of, of the music industry at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, were, were you, uh, were, were you, were you bitter at all or had you just had enough? You were tired as opposed to anything else? Um, it was around, started around 93, I left. I think the last tour was 95 with Bush and I, I did 
I was there for the writing of the whole next album with the eight ball thing on it. I wrote the whole album there that nobody knows about that. Um, uh, in 93, I got saved uh, on the road. I became a Christian. I was I mean, born Jewish, Orthodox Jewish, um, strict Orthodox, like, you know, he, speaking Hebrew, 13 years of Hebrew school and all that. So wow. uh, my way of life kind of shifted a bit and things just, uh, I just needed a break. I'd been on a tour bus, like I said, you know, I started Overkill before Anthrax. People are kind of finding out about that now. And what's really funny is I was with uh, Bobby Bliss and Didi a couple of weeks ago. They played near me here. And uh, I, we were talking again. And, and Blitz is like, dude, don't you know that like at least almost three songs on our first album are yours? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about, dude? He goes, you don't remember? He goes, I said, do you really expect me to remember? I said, I know we started writing. I said, he goes, no, they're, they're yours. So I was like, that's pretty trippy, man. And like, actually, you know, we try to date stuff and see if we actually started thrash metal before anyone else. You know, it's almost exact to the West Coast. And then, you know, I met Scott and we started Anthrax. So it's it's just been a trip, man. And, you know, 95, I just needed a break, man. I've been on a tour bus 13 years old. I was already um, in my guitar teacher's band. After three lessons, after I took a year of jazz, I, I can can that lesson. But then that guy, um, he just didn't, he didn't want me to like have vibrato in my playing. He's like, we don't have that in jazz. And I was like, <laughs> we don't have me here next week. And my check <laughs> in yeah. your pocket. So I took a couple lessons from this dude around the corner, uh, Bruce Jansen. And uh, next thing I know, he's like, you want to be in my band? <laughs> so off we went, you know. And then after that, it was overkill. And I had two children um already on the road pretty much 24 7 all through those years leading up to 95 and it got very difficult nobody else in the band was married nobody else had kids and yeah. no one understood yeah what what you all can see now through the internet and see all of us on our daily lives on instagram or whatever and short videos and you know we can all understand each other a lot better than yeah. what was going on back then we didn't even have cell phones so I didn't know or we didn't know as a band how other bands dealt with situations of the wife is on the road and somebody else doesn't want the wife on the road. You know, now it's more of a one, even a, a better loving community, as I expressed earlier. So um, it was just time for me to, to take a break and, and, um, and just do something in quiet, solitary achievement. And uh, I've done that and achieved the highest I could in, in watchmaking. And uh, so now it's back to music. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's awesome. Now, look, I've got a I've got a guitarist in my band who's um, uh, a big um, a big Anthrax fan and um, a big Dan Spitz fan actually. And one question that he wanted um, he wanted me to ask was um, he he said to me um, that um, he said, "Look, I I I I haven't learned any of um, any of his solos because I don't know what he's doing half the fucking time, which is a compliment." Um, yeah. And um, but he said that your so your solo work drastically changed on the sound of white noise to what it had been before, and um, he was just wondering if you know if if that if you know if you remember back then was it a conscious thing you know how that came about. 
my background um, growing up is, uh, I mean, I've done, I've done many articles in the old days, but I don't know if anyone caught them. Uh, I grew up with an older brother, so I grew up with an older generation of music. I grew up with my dad in the house blasting Miles Davis all day and Frank Sinatra and Dizzy Gillespie and Tal Fallow on guitar. Um, you know, in, in my brother's room was, you know, Jean-Luc Ponte and Al Demiola, Jimi Hendrix, Cream, um, you know, that generation of, of, of blues players, you know, Clapton all day, just blasting me, you know. And, and in the other part of my home, it's my mother, um, she was a, uh, an amateur ballerina, so there's classical music blasting in there. So uh, it all infiltrated my space. And I was a big Frank Zappa fan as well. I'm a, I have a very sarcastic sense of humor. So we kind of fit together as well. Um, so I'm a blend of, of many things. And I grew up, of course, it's, it's all metal. You know, it's, listen, it's just metal. Yeah. Um, and, but all those guitar players from my brother's era, and he was, my brother's a bass player. So I'm listening to the bass. You know, I'm listening to Jack Bruce from Cream. I'm listening to Entwizzle as if it's a guitar. Does that make any sense? Not bass yeah. players that are boom, boom, boom. I'm listening to, you know, bass players who play their bass, you know, like Geddy Lee. Like, it's a guitar. But, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. So that's penetrated my brain. And a lot of my lead guitar work is actually based off scales and skipping scales and skipping notes that bass players such as those that are non-mortal um, use. <laughs> so there's a plethora of jazz, my jazz lessons of a year with learning with um, George Benson's guitar player, he's the person who taught me, um, and my uh, jazz training, I was in jazz bands in school as well as heavy metal bands, all, all pushed together, um, and I created my own style, that, that's, that's the hardest thing to do, I don't really care how proficient you are, I've always looked someone that, you know, that they're practicing and they, they do have proficiency and they know their theory, Yeah. Um, beyond that, for me, it's something like Joe Perry. You, you know, you put the needle on the record, and within two seconds, if you can recognize that person, that is just a gift from God and something that you've really achieved. And that's what everyone should try to achieve. Um, God gave you your uniqueness. Place it into your art, be it music, be it whatever it is. You know, borrow. We all have to borrow because we have to learn. But build on the borrow and be yourself. And going through Anthrax, I don't know, you know, like the first album, you could say the same thing, you know, that's just me and Scott, you know, I mean, Charlie didn't even know what a guitar was, you know, he just came into the band. So it's just me and Scott. So that's raw, that's raw, that's thrash metal. That's before the producers knew how to put bass, you know, into our, our <laughs> guitar sound because our guitar infiltrated the bass sound and that's yeah. where those stories come from, you know, you know, like with James saying, you know, yeah, we just turned Cliff's bass off because, you know, it was... They couldn't figure out a way to get the two together. Those are true stories in those days. We hired yeah. the best producers in the world. They it just they didn't have you know if corn existed back then there would be no corn either because there'd just be no bass. Yeah, so that, absolutely, man. I mean, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me just answer it. I'll get to his his question. But Sandway Noise with Bush was a different band. Um, so it was enabled me to bring out more of my blues, the blues inside myself. You know, the Clapton, the Cream, and all that kind of stuff. The, the songs were of uh, a way slower pace, more like um, what we would call the mosh part, which I birthed that in the center of most songs because the songs were too fast for me to play lead guitar over. So in the lead part, 
came, we kind of just tried a few things where, you know, we slowed the song down. Um, and, and that's how the mosh parts were kind of, kind of birth. Um, but Sound of White Noise, yeah, I mean, I love that album. That song only is probably, to me, I think that's the best song I ever wrote. And I, Hatfield said the same thing. He said something like it's the best thrash song ever written or whatever. It's got a great groove, man. Well, funnily enough, I spoke to um, I spoke to um, John um, a couple of months ago, and um, yeah, he's you know he's 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 very proud of that album um, and all the back catalogue. Um, and funnily he's, enough, I spoke to I love John, man. He's like one of the most talented dudes, and he has no zero singer syndrome, man. He's just the best guy ever to spend time with. <laughs> oh, that's cool to hear man and I, I, I spoke to um, funnily enough I spoke to uh, Bobby Blitz uh, about a week 10 days ago and this episode of the podcast is, is the two of you um, so that's quite ironic the fact that's that funny. yeah exactly the fact that you, you hooked up with him recently that is, well, you know, it's really weird because you know this has been a slow ride for me to, to kind of get back I dabbled in a, in a few uh, things because I'm an engineer I'm a producer I'm a mixer I co-produced all the Anthrax albums with all those guys so I've, I've been asked by Johnny Z to help him with a, with a new label I'm a couple of other people I, I just you know helped to get back into the studio thing and then I'm People would ask me, would you go to a show? Would you go to a show? And I, I really have removed to myself because it's very hard for me um, to step off an arena stage and leave way back when. It's very hard for me to go see a show and not be like, go home that evening and go, okay, I'm going to put together my third thrash band and, you know, um, I need to be on stage. It's a very, it's a tug of war inside of me um, to step up and away from my watchmakers, you know, bench or just you know relaxing with family and doing nothing so yeah. it's, it's really been tough so in the last few months i have stepped out and it's just a wonderful loving thing to see all my friends again and get the hugs and you know stuff you guys don't really see you know like we hug each other and stuff man so screw you it's <laughs> twice i saw those guys once i saw them down in texas uh, bobby blitz and it's a, a little slow you know weird kind of thing at first because i guess i was i was a little uh you know, taking it back as well. Not nothing, nothing in the middle of us. Just we spent great time together, but it was short time. They had to go to another show, and when they came near here, we spent a lot of time together. And just the other night, I was out with uh, Chuck Billy and and I oh, smashed spent half the night with Andreas from Sepultura. Man, we were just like, it was freaking amazing, dude. Rips. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's he's pretty incredible. Um, that's awesome, man. And, and uh, you know, you say it's it's been a, it's been a tug of war. So, so what what changed? What meant? You know, what's what's made you come out more? What's made you put yourself out there? And you know, it's it's just the right time conditions in your life. Is, is it? You know, what's happened? Um, yeah, it's the right time. Um, truthfully, most people know I had a heart attack. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Quite, and it's you guys supposed to be on that. I had many, many stints in my heart. I shouldn't be here at all. No one has any idea why I'm here. Um, because my left ventricle, the main artery into my heart, the big giant thing you learn about in school is an in and out. That was 98% blocked. So usually the person just drops dead in their soup. 
and in eight seconds, whatever it is, 30 seconds, or whatever it is, by the time the ambulance comes, you, you know, you're, yeah. you're done. There's, there's no chance. So they don't really have any idea why I'm walking, why I'm alive. Um, I do, you know, God is, is an incredible God. So it's just time now um, to, uh, to play again. I feel it's just time for me to let people know of the second generation that, um, you know, I get a lot of emails. It's really weird. And I'm not trying to be a prideful way because that, um, that's not me. Um, you know, oh, you were a great lead guitar player in Anthrax. And, you know, you, 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 know, you should be back in Anthrax because you were their best lead guitar player. And I'm like thinking to myself, they, they don't get it. They, they don't understand who wrote it, who wrote you know, the music, who, how the music was created, how thrash was created. It's yeah. almost like deliberately people have wiped my, uh, part of my, um, um, stamp in time away. And, uh, it's just time to play again. And I have a lot of pent up aggression. Do I want to, you know, get out there and destroy your face? Maybe. <laughs> so you so so you basically you think um and i, I you know ten, i don't think it's intentional but i i i understand where that kid was coming from for some reason you you weren't perceived as one of the main writers do you think that's happened over the years as the band has carried on without you that 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 your your personal legacy has been diminished somewhat yes Yes. Only, the, you know, the people like you and, you know, of who know, who know, you know, it's, uh, you were there and lived it yeah. more, more, more than likely. Um, and, you know, you, you know, a band back then, you know, you were in one band, not like, not like today where you're allowed to have three, four, eight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because people need to now to, you know, you have to also make a living. Um, back then it was different. You didn't have recording studio in your in your computer you know you can have pro tools in your computer or able to live or whatever it may be and buy those microphones and all the need preamps you want it just wasn't possible you needed a quarter of a million dollars to go in a recording studio just you know you have to get a record deal five year five album record deal that's 10 to 12 years of your life so it, it wasn't so easy you did have to have something and um something unique and you did have to be able to play in the studio and get your job done on time and is a very big business. Um, so to create what we created and get where we had to get is a, you know, it takes five people doing all different jobs and those five people, when they hit the stage, become one. And that's, that really is irreplaceable. It is like the old time bands when someone passes away, it's just never going to be the same. So the people that have saw the band that created all of the hit albums, you know, that, that have that sound, they know now um, you know, without me, it's it's not one. It, it, you know, when, when me and Scott's guitar get together, it, it just makes one guitar. It's not me anymore. It's not Scott anymore. It's just, it makes one. It's the best way I can explain it. So you have to continue on, and I'm very proud of them for continuing on all these years. They're, they're doing wonderful, and I wish them all the love and blessings in the world. Um, I just have to go do my thing now. It's been my choice, and now I just I have to just go play my way right now. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's that's fair enough. It's to, you know it's totally understandable, and also I I, I get um, I get where you're coming from as well. It's it's um, having 
having done that at such um, a high level as well, it's it's to to come back all these years later. It's it's it takes pure passion um, because you know you're going to be starting from a place that is you know it, it, well it's it's certainly not going to be arenas. It, that doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, I, I, I am me. When I plug in, you know, it's the sound of me. It can't be duplicated. It can't be replicated. Um, you know, the sound of thrash metal and anthrax is in my veins. I can't teach it to you. It's, yeah. it's, 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 I don't know how to explain it, dude. When I play, people freak out. I, I don't know why. It's just, <laughs> it's just, um, it's just the sound of, of me. So why should I not give that love back to the world in some form or fashion? And who's to say I won't be playing arenas two months from now and whatever, wherever, however, whatever it is, it's giving love back um, to the world. And really, that's all, that's what I'm all about, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, and that's that's a really refreshing um, attitude. It really is. Um, one uh, one of the questions, you know, like I always say that about love. And, I guess there's not many people that talk about it. You know, we're all these metal dudes who've got like this face on, we're all mean and evil and I worship Satan and, you know, we got our horns up and stuff. And really, really, dude, let me come in the back room and talk to me for an hour. And then you'll find out about that person's life and, you know, how much, you know, how much love they either want because they didn't get it. You know, there's always a story behind um, a cold face. And that's why we are such a tight knit community and it is, like I said it's the closest to a religion that can be and believe me I am part of one of the world's largest churches just a few miles from my home here uh, Elevation Church so I know what not it's not organized religion but I know what an organization filled with love feels like and the both are so similar it's quite incredible and I always say if you could be backstage and I'm trying to trying to show people this just lately you know this is one moment um, when you're getting ready to go, you know, go on stage and you're standing at you know, the bottom of a big stage in an arena, let's say, and the lights just turn off where you guys are out front. And we run up the stairs and, and you know, they're kind of dark. The guys are holding the flashlights so we don't trip or fall. And then those lights come on and you just hear ah, that roar, you guys. Yeah. And the lights come on. For 30 seconds, I look out and it's just a sea of love, man. That's love, bro. That's like thousands and thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of people at a time throwing love at you for like 30 seconds, man. You guys have no idea how good that feels, man. Yeah. That's a feeling I cannot duplicate, replicate, or I'm trying to explain to you. I hope someone understands it because I know yeah. the, the elation from the crowd is similar, but to be standing there as one on stage up higher and look out and everyone's smiling there's no doom and gloom there at that point, bro. The horns are up, but everyone's smiling, so I got you. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Everybody is pleased to see you all at once. And I don't know if it's in, in thrash metal if it's pleased to see me. It's our music is real. You know, yeah. like I'm talking to you here. I'm in my jeans and my shirt, man, and you know that's the way I hit the stage. Like I'm just you. If I'm not on the stage, like I'm played like I, i'm in the audience it, i'm fine dude like that's that's why that's why in the beginning years as thrash metal grew when us and metallica were touring together a lot in europe 
Um, yeah, I saw you. I, I, I saw you together. I saw you together in um, Sheffield, City Hall, and um, I also saw you in Bradford as well. Oh, awesome! So you were a killer, man. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, you know, in 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 those those you know early years, as we came out of clubs and then moved into civic centers and then arenas, none of those places that we played anywhere in the world even knew what slam dancing was. Oh, yeah. So we, we, uh, we went around once, and they were actually physically hurting the fans. You know, they would come over the barricade, and they'd punch him in the face, kill him, kick him in the head, drag him out over the steel bars, and throw him outside. And yeah. we were, like, trying to tell them, like, you don't understand. Everyone's dancing. It's a dance. I got thrown. I got thrown out of your show at the Sheffield City Hall on the Among the Living tour. Yeah. Oh man, dude. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. What I'm saying is we, we did rectify that problem. But by the second time we started coming around, we actually had to hire and bring our own security people. They're just security training people. So they would meet with the house security each night to try to explain to them. First of all, you see all those fold-up chairs out there on the floor? I better pick them up now before the show goes because their things are going to be hurled in the air and people are going to be dead. Yeah. And they would have like folding chairs like you had at school, like thousands, like Madison Square Garden had folding chairs on the whole floor. Yeah. So we would train them like, you know, they're, they're going to come over the barricade, they're going to be on top of the crowd and, you, you know, you would see their faces like the security guards like, well, I'm going to kill the kid. And, well, like, if you see you hit one kid, first of all, he's probably 15 years old. I'm jumping off the stage, and I'm going to kick you in the face. And yeah. I've done that many times in the middle of the show. And I jumped off the stage and kicked the guy right in the freaking face. And that security got ejected. I bring the kid up on my side of the stage and hang out all night. Because that hurts me more than anything, man. Or kids are there, you know, trying to have a good time. Uh, they don't understand. And, you know, he just gets hurled over the barricade. And, you know, he just maybe wanted to. You know, crowd surf on, on top, and he'd fall down, he'd hit his back, you know, on the metal part that holds up the barricade, first of all, so I've seen many people completely paralyzed in front of me, I've seen it happen so many times, and this kid gets up, and he's fine, and then the guy punches him square in the face and knocks him out, like, things like that, that's yeah. things that we, we watch that maybe you guys don't know about, um, and then, so, you know, we've, we've done a lot in business to try to make it all a very wonderful, loving place for everyone to come and enjoy themselves. Well, to be honest, uh, that's one thing I think that that has improved from back in the day. I mean, um, I mean, my, uh, me and my band, we headlined um, the second stage at Bloodstock this year, and the security oh. were awesome. The security were actually actively wanting the crowd to crowd surf because they'd had a really quiet weekend. So, uh, you know, it was... Uh, I mean, occasionally you still get the odd dickhead security guard who's into the whole macho thing, um, but you know, it, now now they tend to be they tend to be a rarity. Everybody's a lot more clued in. But as you said, way back when, um, they didn't have dude, a fucking clue. Dude, it was a freaking nightmare, man. But then again, you English, you know, it's freaking slam dance, and you guys, you know, you you guys know what, you, what you're doing. You know, when we did the reunion tour. And we did, uh, what, we did Donington or something like that? Yeah. Man, it was three pits going, probably, you know, four, three, 4,000 people in each pit all going a different direction. And it was perfect, man. It's plumes of smoke coming up in the middle. It was like art. You know, you guys, you guys know what you're doing, man. <laughs> Us Americans, it's like, it's football. 
<laughs> well, look, you've you, you mentioned it, so I've got to ask. Um, you've you've left you've left um, you've left Anthrax twice. So the second time, were, was there any temptation to to hang in there and do it, or or were you literally, I'll sign up for the reunion stuff and then I'm back out again? Um. Well, there's a few things there. First of all, I don't think even to this day the other four guys know what I gave up to say yes. Because at that point in time, I had two private service centers, one in, in, in Boca Raton, Florida, one in, you know, up in New Jersey, close to the public, but you know, work, um, servicing timepieces that can't be serviced by basically anyone else in the world for some of the largest companies in the world, like J.J. LeCulture, Audemars Piguet, Vacheron Constantine, Patek Fleet, above Rolex, way, way, way above. So I had to let them know I will no longer be doing that, and there isn't anyone even in Switzerland really at that point in time that, that could do that. Um, there's only like three of me or all of Switzerland. So I had to give up a lot to go back. So I didn't go back just to say, okay, I'll come back for two, three years, do a tour, and, you know, kind of thing. So we were all in um, at that point in time. We did like two, three years, and they still wanted us to tour more. We wanted to make new music. Um, and <clears throat> it was it was difficult in the very end. We, we decided to stop the touring, and it was difficult to get Joey to commit. Me and Charlie were going back and forth talking to Joey, and I called Charlie afterwards, you know, and say, you know, did you get an answer? Did you get a yes? And he'd say, did you get a yes? And I'm like, I, I don't know what I got. I just got talked to for an hour. And he'd say, I just got talked to for an hour. We couldn't get Joey um, to commit for a very long time. And they couldn't stand still for very long. Obviously, it's a business. You can't just, you know, not do anything. Like, you have to know, are we continuing or are we not? So I was in to make another album as the real Anthrax. Um, and, and we just had this time lapse with Joey. Um, and as you saw what happened thereafter, so I uh, decided to just go back and chill. So they continued on, and whatever they did, they did. And to be honest, if you're gonna ask me or if anyone does is listening to this, um, I, I don't know what they do. I don't know their music. I don't listen to music. I don't hardly listen to any music at all. It clouds my mind if I have to create. It's a Frank Zappa thing. Um, so the music I have in me from my youth um, is, is what's in me. So when I create, it just flows. And I don't sound like anyone else. So I don't know. I don't have to listen to their music. No, I don't know their songs. No, I don't follow. So, but you know, I wish them all the blessings in the world. You know, they, um, they're, uh, you know, our, our music is now um, not just in a resurgence, but um, because no one sits in their room and learns their instruments anymore. There's no new bands, basically, that can play. So it's not just changing to the guard like our, my parents had the Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and everyone, you know, through nostalgia kind of thing for their reasons. Um, they had a second wave of big band stuff back then, you know, good musicians, and it kept going. They just liked the, those musicians. With our music, there is no second wave. No one plays. It sucks. So our nostalgia is... You know, you want to go see good people play. There's hardly any new music. I shouldn't say there's none. It's not like the era that I was um, when we were creating thrash metal. 
No, I think there's um, there, there are there are new bands, but they. The, I mean, my my issue with second generation bands is is that um, there's too much that there's too much of a willingness to try to recreate their favourite band um, instead of taking the music forward. So you know, there's there's plenty of bands out there who would claim to be a second generation thrash band, but then you listen to what they're doing, and it's literally you can catalogue the riffs. You know, there's there's Nuclear Assault, there's Anthrax, there's Slayer, there's Megadeth, there's Merciful Fate, um, and it, 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 that that doesn't take us forward. That just recreates substandard versions of what we've already had. And, and I don't understand that part of it because in our time. Um, like I said before, you had to have a record deal to record anything. You know, you had a, what you have at home, like a cassette. You know, like there's no, there's a Tascam four track recording studio. You know, that, that's all. Or to start up my real reel, that was about it. So, look, let's. I'll put it into perspective for everyone. It's a wonderful story. It's very short. Um, Johnny Z, uh, Mega Force Records manager of us and, and, and Metallica. Now imagine him having a cassette of Anthrax and the cassette of Metallica. And for over two years, he went to a record company after a record company after a record company. And I'm talking, I don't know how many days a week he was driving into Manhattan and, and wherever to have big meetings with everyone from every record company there is. And all, you know, they said to, and he told them both cassettes. Imagine this is like a Beatles story, man. And, you know, they said to him, listen, dude, here's what it sounds like. It sounds like when I flush my effing toilet. You know, why don't you, you know, bring me something that sounds like Motley Crue, you know, whatever, you know, kind of thing, and then come back. And that's what he got. And then finally, we got so pissed off that he just, you know, said, you guys are going to go play in some bars, and somehow we're going to get you from New York to, to California and play original music. And we, like, laughed. Because, you know, unless you're a Van Halen cover band back then, there's not, no, no bar's going to take an original music playing band because no one's going to show up. Yeah. But we did it. And that's how it all started. We just that attitude of of you kind of like screw you. This is what we're doing. This is our music. This is what it sounds like. So I don't understand the mentality today where all the music is now back in the artist's hands. All he has to do is push a button on his computer, you know, put it on TuneCore, and it's it's in iTunes. You can make any kind of music you like. Why would you want to copy? Back then, you were you were many people were forced to sound like somebody else. Forced to hire a producer to sound like the hit that's on the radio that year. Forced to write more hits if you had a hit. It was dangerous to get a top 10 hit back then. As soon as you get a top 10 hit, the record company says, you're back in the studio. I want eight more songs exactly like that. Or we're not putting your album out. Yeah. And they've done it to many people. I won't name names. And it would freak you out if I tell you that they recorded a whole album and they told that person, go back and start over. So you have free reign now. Why? Why you sound like somebody else? Like you know, you don't have to, man. Yeah. I yeah. was. I'm sorry, dude, man. I just want to see you go forward. You know, take the torch, man. Here it is, bro. Here's my riffs. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. That's that's. I'm of exactly the same, you know, mind. That's how you. That's how you. Uh, you know, that's what's in you. You know, that's that's man. Just it's. It's a beautiful thing. Art is a wonderful, beautiful thing, man, to give back to the world. Give them a piece of you. Don't give them a piece of somebody else. But then again, we all have to borrow. I sound like different people when I play as well. It, but I'm kind of a mixture. Somehow I, I created something that when I play it sounds like me. 
Try to recreate that within yourself, be it you're a drummer, a guitar player, a bass player, a singer, whatever it is. Borrow, but build. Build your own shit. Yeah, absolutely. You want you want when you hear a new band, you want to hear and you you want to hear them. You don't want to hear the influences. You don't want to go, okay, well that's that's from there and that's from there. And I can see what they're trying to do, but they sound too much like so and so. You guys, I mean, Arch Enemy. That band blows me away. It's one of the few bands and music that I will put in my head. You know, some of them are my friends, obviously, in that band. But like, there you go, prime example. It's borrowed. It's moved on. It's gone. It's it's new. I mean. Take that to the next level. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's look at them. The prime example of you can, you can just, you can be that big. You know, you don't have to fit in. Yeah. And yeah. Dr. C said it, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm serious. And then I'm like, you know, I burst out. <laughs> I'm, not at, I'm not yelling at everyone. I'm, I'm just, these are thrash metal 101 rules, man. You know, like here I am. I'm me. So be you, man. Absolutely. And speak. Well, speaking of you, um, I've got a, a, another another question from back in the day. Um, is it true or is it an apocryphal story that um, that Jackson made uh, guitars for you um, a bit smaller, so they were custom built for you a bit smaller? Um, I'm uh, as you can probably well, most people know now. You know, I'm, I don't just draw stuff on paper. I have these crazy skills in, in building stuff. You know, when I grew up, my, my room looked like a mini NAS, like the whole neighborhood would bring me everything they had to fix at all times. Like, I'm that guy. Like, you know, I fix and build and create. So I created, with me and Grover Jackson had a wonderful relationship. I was only the third endorser they ever had. It was Randy Rhodes, me, and Jakey Lee. Wow. And, and so we decided, you know, we would just build stuff to further along guitar building. I worked also selling guitars on 48th Street, Music Row, the famous Music Row it was called back then. Um, uh, I was actually selling guitars in Stuyvesant Music. So I was seeing all the 58 Les Pauls all day long being you know pulled apart and put back together and trying them all. And um, So I, I have extreme guitar knowledge as well as far as how they're built and what they're constructed. And, and actually that's where I met Scott in, in that store. Um, so, uh, it's not like I was just like, Hey dude, let's make a guitar out of balsa wood and send it to me. We'll see if it's good. You know, we work together as a team and yes, the, the Randy Rhodes, Randy, uh, you know, let me play his shape back then. You had to get his permission to, to, to play it from Grover to carve one out. And, uh, it was too big for me. I'm only five feet tall. So we cut it down about an, about an inch uh, in perimeter with different, um, Different dimensions. It's not. It's not equidistant on on all sides, and it was my own size that uh, I didn't want anyone else to have. Now I don't know, you know, what they do with it. I know they still make them uh, my size. Yeah, um, it, was my, it was me, and then later on, Chris Holmes had one, but they went what far beyond that. Of it's not just the size; it's everything we, how we made the guitar, the you know, the, the neck radius and how it, the joint of the neck um, met the guitar, even though it was neck through. Um, and then, you know, obviously the first comic book guitar ever to be made in the history of guitar was my uh, Marvel Comics guitar. Um, I sent them some comics, and, and Grover was like, uh, it's, it's the black one with Thor on it and all that you see in the early days. Yeah. And I was like, like, how am I going to get that on a guitar, dude? I'm like, I don't know, man. Those, they got those all those guys with the vans, you know, they're painting stuff on the sides of the vans. You know, back then it was like the solid vans we had here. 
Um, I was like, why don't you just get one of those van painted dudes? And he starts cracking up. I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. He's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> so he got like a van painter dude and he painted it. Like he airbrushed it. You know, it was all airbrushed back then. We didn't have computers. And same with my Turtles guitar. You know, it escalated to a whole art department there. And then I got played out with that. And I asked him, I said, let's make some fancy wood guitars like old Les Pauls like I used to see on 48th Street. We made the first wood, like, you know, uh, like you guys, like they all make um, a blistered maple and all that kind of stuff. Now is, is the norm back then. It wasn't. He, he actually made my guitars. It's not a veneer on the front. Those flame maple and blistered maple, that's solid maple. I don't know. God knows what that cost now <laughs> wow probably this is a house you know yeah no the whole guitar like it's solid one piece flame maple i don't even know where grover got it he's he's nuts man dude rules that's awesome so are you um are you um are you back in touch with jackson at all not yet you know the whole world's been been really handling me to make you know, a, a sanctioned replica of the, the one, that one Turtles guitar that everyone loves while the painter is still alive, too. Um, and, you know, I, it hangs and moves around the hard rock. It's encased in, like, a, a big plastic coffin, and they, they let that one move around. All my guitars I gave to the hard rock in, back in 95, 96, somewhere. But that one moves all around. And, um, you know, I, I, I would like to do something with them with that, at least as a start, you know, get that guitar back and get it to the Smithsonian to be reverse engineered and, and with exact dimensions and stuff. And then I can explain to them the rest that, you know, they can surely kind of figure out, but they won't know everything me and Grover did. So I'd like to do something. Maybe we'll see it as time moves on. and I start hitting the stage for now. I'm with a uh, comparison guitars. Right. Okay. So, and when you say about to hit the stage, um, uh, there's so there's there's you and you've got Dean Castronovo um, on on drums. Are you, are you still looking? Are you still looking for other band members? Is it just the two of you at the moment? No, no. We have the singer. I just can't say who it is yet. Um, <laughs> All right. It's pretty monumental. So it's uh, it's killer, and it's not a project. It's it's a band, and. Um, and of course, Dean is, you know, one of the world's just most incredible drummers walking the planet. Um, you first think of him as Journey. You know, Dean's also the lead singer. Um, he sings three or four of the Journey songs live as he plays. He, he sings the ones that Steve Perry wouldn't even sing live. He's, he's quite an incredible uh, singer. Um, he's the lead singer for Social Distortion. And um, not Social Distortion for Revolution Saints. And um, just a great guy and a monster, monster, monster drummer and got his, you know, start in social distortion. And he's just a metalhead, really, you know, playing yeah. uh, 17 years in Journey, played for Ozzy, playing on early Ted Nugent albums. I mean, it goes on, dude. Like, he's pulling out stuff. And I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? I used to like sit and just do bong hits and blast my guitar and listen to that album. Are you crazy? I didn't know that was you. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! So you can't, so you can't say who the singer is, but it's um, like you said, it's um, it, it's it's pretty amazing, and he's and he's in a band. It's not a project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, this is this is killer. Yeah. It looks like we'll be starting the beginning of July, as far as all uh, all in one room, and um, I'm about an album and a half in already on material Peter, So I'm going to write about two albums worth of material. Right. Okay. Cool. And so, um, well, I, look, it, is this is this uh, this singer of yours? Is it somebody with a with a thrash heritage? 
Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I create is always uh, new. So I don't hold, you know, was was Joey Belladonna a thrash singer when I found him in a Journey cover band? In yeah. You know, he came into the studio. Good point. It was me, me, Scott, and Johnny Z. And he got on the mic and he sang, Oh, Sherry, Ma, whatever it is, a Steve Perry song, you yeah. know, a solo album. And Johnny Z, like, he was in one of these chairs that, like, you know, like, it's like a producer chair that kind of, you can rock a little bit, you know, like on a spring. And he went down. He went back and down. He fell off his chair. The first four <laughs> notes that Joey sang. Like, you could see, like, dollar signs rolling in his eyes. Like, he's the manager. Like, like, it looked like, like Las, Las Vegas, you know, like, you, know, you, you pull the handle and his eyeballs <laughs> moving dollars. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can take someone like Joey and, and, you know, do do you know? Get him to sing and fit fit in. I, I don't hold any barriers to anybody. Um, and uh, I have a lot more music in me, you know. So I don't know where, what, wherever. I don't ask questions and I don't sit around a table or whatever. However, God makes it fall into place is what it is, and away we go. So what happens? What happens with all of your um, uh, your watchmaking um, uh, skills and or your watchmaking business? What happens to that whilst? You commit to this. You're doing both at the same time. Well, I haven't. I haven't really sat at a bench to do what we, you know, after sales service. Or I was the head of all of Showpard uh, from North and South America, and and um, as far as uh, teaching all the watchmakers as well as the head of all of service and everything. So I'm also a watchmaker, instructor, and teacher. Um, I haven't done that in a long time. I moved on from that to um, consult. In consultation where um, new timepieces are coming to market and because of my large background of vintage watches that go back a few hundred years I'm kind of like an old watchmaker in a young watchmaker's body I have knowledge of the last century it's kind of like having knowledge of you know the big band era of music I have that in, in timepieces as well so they'll give me a timepiece and I'll have to let them know what will go wrong at different um, time periods this will break Right. Here, this right there. This is not manufactured correctly, um, you know, for market and this and that. Even though they're testing each part, just yeah. like car companies test. It's not three guys in a shed somewhere in Switzerland. Um, you're from Europe. You probably understand, but Americans don't. They, they think like they think like that. They think like, oh, my Rolex came from a little shed in the back of these three old guys and a, and a thing in their eye. It ain't like that. It's as big as Ford Motor Company. You yeah. know, yeah. It's bigger. Dude, it's like, it's it, there's no joke there. So I, I do th things like that, and um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be bringing to market my own timepiece finally, and that's really what I want to do, and, and bring it to market to all of us, um, you yeah. know, from a metal view to a metal view kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that be. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, there, there are some watches on your um, on your website at the moment um, that I was looking at. Is um, have you already done a watch before? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I've been offered many times, but it's, it was more, you know, put your name on this $300,000 watch and say you did something to it. And, you know, I won't do that, man. I'm real. Like, it's not going to happen, bro. So what I'm doing now with, is actually with the German, German company, BDB, and we take uh, he makes everything by hand. Each piece is unique to you. You can order it any way you want, the case, the dial, everything. And what's inside the watch is what matters to us watchmakers. So I like older movements, just like older muscle cars. They were built 
overbuilt. You know, they were built. Yeah. Incredible. So all the Rolexes from the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, what's in the watch. We'll take an old Rolex movement and I'll rebuild it from scratch or an old Patek Philippe, whatever you want, Audemars Puget. And we put it into um, these German engineered handmade cases. You could have your band name on it. You can have your, your daughter's name on it, whatever it may be. And, the, you know, you can see through the back and each one will, will personally come off my bench. So when I'm not playing or if I'm on the road um, and we, you know, we do, you know, do relatively well in the foreseeable future, I'll probably have some form of watchmaking set up on a tour bus where I can actually, you know, do it out there and you can come out to the road and, and, and get your piece and hang and that kind of stuff. So like I said, I... I I want people to know that there's brains in us, man. It's not about me doing the watches. It's about the whole world, you know, seeing CNN articles. I mean, that reached like 8 million people, you know, yeah. to know that metal, you know, we're a community of, of love, of intellect. And if we do gang together, we can change the world because the music I helped create did. It changed two planets now. This, <laughs> this Martians moshing away up there and we're the only Music, out of 10 songs chosen of all genres of music, our music's playing on Mars, man. You, you, it's like, I don't even know why I should play again. How am I going to top that? It's, yeah, that's with, what Dean always tells me. He's like, which, dude, that's tripped out, bro. You ever think about that? I'm like, no, it'll hurt my brain, man. So which, <laughs> so which song which, which song is on there? Got the Time. Of all songs, they picked a song about time, you know? <laughs> but, you know the anthrax fans are starting to realize like where like time stuff came from you know like you know persistence of time and all the clocks and you know i think they're kind of getting it a little bit yeah yeah but i was just a lead player you know <laughs> <laughs> absolutely man well look it's it's been it's been awesome to talk to you dan i really appreciate you taking the time out um i will let you know when this is going out i'll make sure you have all the links i know you're i know you're more of an instagram guy than anything else um but um it's been a real pleasure it really has thank you so much for the time it's, it's my pleasure man and um thank you you're such a sweetheart and all you guys man it just I, I can't wait to get you know on the other side of the pond here and, and start you know plugging my guitar in again that's really all i care about right now that's awesome well we're all looking forward to hearing it and i'm going to be uh, keeping an eye out for this singer announcement keenly you'll enjoy it oh cool I, I know i will i know i will thanks a lot dan you have a really good day you too talk soon cheers man cheers bye-bye so how was that eh huh weren't expecting that were you no a full-on fucking interview with proper opinions and all sorts of fascinating shit that you didn't know from back in the day um that interview has it all i've got to start interviewing people who haven't done interviews for years more um I mean, I, you know, I was, I, whilst the interview was unfolding, my mind was working overtime because I was thinking, normally, you know, it, I was just thinking, there's so many news articles that could come out of this interview, you know, it's, it, I'm just, because I'm uh, all about the rock who host the podcast, go and get, go down there, all about the rock.co.uk, are going to do a, are going to do an article, um, uh, you know, pointing out a few of the th- things mentioned, a few of the things that, um, that Dan mentions in the um, <coughs> in the interview because I think it's certainly worth uh, getting a couple of his um, 
observations slash opinions slash um, uh, truths out there. Um, really good of him to give me so much time. And uh, I mean, like I said, this guy's not done an interview with anyone for fucking years. So really, really honoured and privileged for it to be me. Um, and for um, and and for him to be just so honest and open, which is really really cool. Um, really looking forward to hearing what he's um, um, what he's put together. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, fucking hell, proper legendary thrash guitarist, absolute legend. Um, so yeah, there you go, everyone. There's some hopefully some interesting things there and some. Maybe some questions that uh, you'd want answered, as opposed to just Paul, our bass player. Um, but there you go. Um, uh, so, what else has been going on? Um, a word popped up recently, and I was going to mention this on the podcast. And the strange thing is that it, it actually appears in the next interview coming up with um, with Dan. Um, I might actually have to mention as well this interview coming up with Dan there is a break in the interview where um, uh, I just lost signal so I had to go back to him so that's it basically um, oh no but oh that was it yeah um, I actually let my laptop run out of power like a fucking idiot in fact hang on a second before I actually do that again because once is fair enough okay once we can have a laugh about and go oh I forgot you know to yeah, but twice even for me, that is um, fairly unforgivable. So, uh, excuse me, there might be some little noises and shit here while. Uh, but, I'm going to plug in. There we go. Make sure we've got power. This is fascinating, but this is what you tune in for, isn't it? Hey? You don't get this with other podcasts where they put it on pause and make it all, all professional and stuff. Not me. No, none of that shit. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so I. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All of that evolved, evolved from the fact that, um, yeah, my uh, my laptop uh, ran out of power while I was on the phone to Dan, so there is a slight break in it, but um, but that's all. Um, so anyway, the word that comes up was somebody said to me, um, in fact, it was the guy who, who tweeted about saying he found the show knowledgeable, was that um, about people, about... Um, about people humble bragging about buying CDs and T-shirts and stuff like that. And I thought, humble brag, that is, that is fucking awesome. I love that. That's the perfect word. That is the perfect word for these people who are like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, I buy all vinyl. No, they don't, you know, and I, I always buy it. No, you don't. Humble brag. I love it. And then uh, it actually comes up in the interview with Dan. So there you go. Fa- fascinating stuff. That whole section there went fucking nowhere, didn't it? It started out by me saying, oh, by the way, there's a word coming up in this interval. Oh, and hang on. Then the power goes, oh, I haven't got the power. Oh, and now I'm repeating the shit section that you've just had to listen. Fucking hell. Sorry about this, folks. I think I'm fucking losing it. Um, so, yeah, shit section of the show. Then uh, deconstruct shit section of the show. Um, yeah, that was humble brag, etc. Um, Spain was awesome. Oh, yeah, um... On the uh, on the Metal Sucks podcast, they had an interview with Joey Belladonna, following on from Dan Spitz, funnily enough, where, um, I, I mean, so much passive aggressiveness in the interview, and it, it just goes on on. He would appear to want to be in any band more than Anthrax. Um, uh, well, I mean, I don't think he'd take the job in Acid Rain, but, I mean, I, I literally think he would rather be out playing Journey covers for a living than being in anthrax it seems it, it does seem a bit weird and he's still moaning about oh you know I, I i i don't think you know i don't see why i ever had to leave or you know 
and it's like well if you don't get it mate you don't get it but stop going on about it for fuck's sake um it's just yeah i was really surprised it it was it was you know it was almost unprofessional and i know that sounds fucking bang out of order coming from me but seriously it, it had that kind of air to it um but you know like he was still sort of upset about you know just move on anyway um a, a, a story i could not uh, miss was uh, bobby dahl okay that's bobby dahl d a w l who's he i hear you cry well he's bass player with poison apparently and um, what he doesn't want is he doesn't want professional autograph hunters and signers to make a living out of him. So he has stopped autographing stuff. That's right. Because apparently it's possible to make a living out of getting th- uh, get, getting things signed by the members of Poison. The only thing that I would pay to get a member of Poison to sign would be an affidavit for where they stated they would no longer take the stage anywhere in the world and play any of their fucking shit songs ever a fucking again. Bobby Dahl, I really do think you've got out of your pram, sir. I really do think you have a way more inflated sense of who you are than the rest of the world does. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's constantly followed around by autograph hunters wanting the autograph of Bobby Dahl. Yes, that's right. Bobby Dahl. Who doesn't want Bobby Dahl's autograph? Hey, wouldn't Bobby Dahl's autograph just mean the world to you if you had all of your poison stuff out, you know, your poison albums, your poison picture discs, your poison t-shirts, your poison wig, your poison fucking douche gel, whatever it is that you fucking have, poison fans. But it's not complete without Bobby Dahl's autograph on it, is it? And let's face it, if Bobby Dahl's autograph is on it, well, it's going to be worth a shitload of money on eBay. What the fucking hell is that guy on? Bobby Dahl. Yeah, even your fucking surname is a shit Indian side dish. Dahl. Fucking horrible. You're ju- Basically, you're just pulped lentils, is what you are. Pulped lentils and some... Spice. That's all you are, Bobby. That is all you are. I don't know where this is going, but it's not. It's not anywhere interesting. Here is my. Here is the latest edition of Cancer to, uh, Cancer Corner with myself and Dan. Hello. Hello. No, <clears throat> Hello there, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? Um, I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, you are. You are going to be at the end of the podcast as always. Um, okay. so you, you're going to be following Bobby Blitz from Overkill and the first uh, very nice. and the first interview anywhere for at least a decade with a certain Dan Spitz. I don't know who that is. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> he is. He's the original lead guitarist in Anthrax. Ah, very cool. I never knew that. Yeah, he plays. Um, he, he. I mean, he. He played. You know, he played in. He played in all of the. Uh, in all on all of the Joey Belladonna stuff, and he also. Oh, really? And he also played on Sound of White Noise, the first John Bush album. Right, and to be fair, like I've never been massively into Anthrax, which I'm quite ashamed of myself. And I've listened to him a few times, and thought that's fucking it, and and then not really gotten any deeper into him, and I keep meaning to. 
uh, I, I've embarrassed myself a little bit there. No, no, not not at all, mate. Not at all. Um, but um, yeah, now, well, yeah. Go, go, go check out um, uh, "For All Kings," which is the current album, which is a great album. Um, and, and and go back into the history. It's um, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. So um, we we uh, just for the benefit of the listeners, you and I have been. Um, uh, you and I have, we were messaging earlier in the. Um, earlier in the week so I just wanted to kind of give you yeah. a, I wanted to give you a heads up that um the uh, the the bollockers as I like to call them out there have um <laughs> have been um have been uh, coming up to me while I've been out, out on tour with acid rain and saying look you know that stuff you're doing with Dan is really cool in fact one one bloke said keep doing it and I was like uh, well, I wasn't going to fucking stop. You'd rather not make it a permanent fixture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, basically, people are loving this section. So, um, you, right. so the chemo's, ah, go, really the, cool. so, so the chemo's got to work. Otherwise, you know what I mean. This, this, um, yeah, it's, th- it's be... going to be a bit of a bummer ending if it doesn't, isn't it? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, fuck you and everything. You know, it's, it's not a big thing yeah. that you know. Uh, it's not about you not making it. It's about me having to find somebody else to put at the end of the podcast every week, month. Yeah, well, this is. I suppose. I suppose you could just look for more cancer victims or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, yeah, I hate that word victim. I know. I don't know. I don't consider myself a victim of it. To be fair. But... Well, uh, well, no, no, but it's, I mean, it's really good. I mean, like I said, one guy said, um, like, you know, it's, it's really inspirational hearing you and the way you're dealing with it. And, um, and, and as, as I said to you, it's, it's, it, I think for some people it's a real kind of like, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a kind of hard listen, but they, but they, yeah. they're kind of, they feel like they're going through this with you. Um, yeah. but, but also I think like, as one guy said to me, you know, uh, the other day he was getting stressed at work or anything and he just he he he'd like listened to the podcast on the way home from work and heard right. heard the chat with you and he was like what the fucking hell am i stressed about you know <laughs> and 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 so it's, and so you know that's a really nice kind of thing it's, it, 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 it's a really nice thing I, i'm really i'm really glad that people are sort of like taking somewhat positive from it to be honest it's it's kind of it's nice it's like I said, I actually kind of mentioned this a little bit on my video blog thing. I just, um, did, uh, I don't know if you watched it or not, did you? Uh, I have, I have. And of course, I was really, yeah. I really, was really pleased I watched it because I get a name check in it because I find it very yeah, exactly, di- yeah. I, I find I, I've it. I name checked you a couple of times, mainly just for my own sort of look who I talk to on a regular basis sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, like I said in the video blog, it's kind of not like not like this is all for nothing, but it's kind of like it feels a little bit more worth it than it maybe would if I wasn't doing it. Like that, that, that people are taking something good from the podcast and everything. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like like I say it kind of feels like it's a little bit more worth it. As like that, you know, what I mean, people are taking something good from it. People can learn something from it on it. And, well, you know what I mean. I'm yeah. kind of yeah. It's it, well. I think I it's 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 great to get feedback so for a start because this oh, is yeah, you know yeah. th- this is what we were both hoping for was was that yeah. you know that it would resonate with people and that they would they would get something from it every you know whatever they get exactly. from it as long as they get something from it you know and um, the yeah. fact the fact that we're hearing that that is the case is it, it, yeah. you know is, is is great and and I, I also think 
having watched your video blog, I mean, you're always very upbeat on here, and we we you know we have a laugh and we have a good chat. But yeah. I, I don't I don't think from the from the conversations we've had, people really realise what you're going through and how much of an effort, how much this takes out of you. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and not just physically, but emotionally as well, because when, yeah. you know, when, yeah. you, when, when you're drained physically, you, 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 you just as, as a human being, you're not, you're not as well, you're not able to deal as well with anything, be it physical sickness no, or mental no. sickness no. or yeah. So, it, so yeah, I mean, basically you're fucking knackered all the time. Oh, fuck it. Even, I tell you what, right today at work, um, I, if I'd have put my head down on my desk, I'd have slept for five hours. I was just wiped out today. Just today, I'm like, it, this round of chemo was the hardest one by far. Like, the jump between this one that I've just done and the one before it seems, it seems to have kicked up like five gears. So it really, it really kicked me on my ass, this one. And I've only just, I've recovered from it just like maybe the past couple of days. But even just today, like, I would sit at my desk and I got to, like, I just had my dinner and I had, like, a, a jacket of potato uh, then all this, and all this stuff. And, you know, I thought, right, I've got a bit of carbs down there, got a bit of energy and stuff like that. One o'clock, I was absolutely on my ass. And I was just like, as I say, if I'd have put my head down on my desk and I slept, I was. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's draining. And what, what the thing is as well is obviously... I have a checkup with the consultant before each um, round of chemo, and they said, "Oh, how's the fatigue getting to you?" So I said, "Like, I, I do want to sleep a lot. I've, I've started having naps regular. I'm 28 years old, and I'm having nap naps on a regular basis, like a fucking pensioner." <laughs> and um, and and uh, me, 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 McMillan worker just said, "It's it's worth like sort of giving you a heads up though." The fatigue that comes with the chemo, it's not something that you can sleep off because it's a result of the chemicals that are going through your system. Yeah. And it's like, even though you've slept, they're still going through your system and they're still fucking your shit up as long as, as well as killing the cancer, obviously. But they're still doing their thing inside you. So even though you can't, even though you're sleeping and stuff, that's not really going to have a, have an effect on taking it off sort of thing it's not going to have much of an effect on taking you up a little bit was that was so, that the actual medical expression he, he used fuck it it'll still f- fucking you shit up yeah yeah um, <laughs> he, was, he had a gold chain on and a grill <laughs> and a sunglasses and everything <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean uh, the, uh, the reason i mention this is i did watch your video blog and yeah it was it was obvious to me as somebody who who knows you because obviously you don't know who's watching um, but it was obvious to me as somebody who knows you um, that you were you were really really struggling to to hold it together in that and and I yeah. I was really really fucking feeling for you and I could see how yeah. hard it, I could see how hard it was and the th- and and the thing is as well is that the reason I've brought all this up is because a few it, it does seem like every time every time we talk you've you've actually recovered from yeah. the last round of chemo and so I, do you know, I, I mean I, I kind of I kind of almost just wanted to go back yeah I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you but I kind of almost wanted to go back through it with you because 
it it just seems like something we haven't really talked about because whenever yeah. we talk, you're, you're usually quite upbeat and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I've been a bit tired, but you know, fuck it, let's have a laugh yeah. and you know, ta-da. And I, and I think yeah. it's I think it's right for people to know that you know, it's been a real fucking struggle for you this this time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. To be fair, um, this is especially like going as I said, the first three rounds and stuff like that. Especially I got to the third one and I just kind of thought, yeah, I've got my routine together and stuff. I know I'm going to feel a bit shit um, um, and all this stuff. But then, I, you know, I've, I've, I know what days I'm going to feel shit and I know what to expect and all this stuff. But this fourth one was, it was grueling sort of thing. It was like, it was really, it was like every day was like waking up going, right, you need to get through this day sort of thing. Um, um was I going to say? My brain's just gone dead again. This, this is happening quite regularly. My, my brain just sort of switches off mid, mid-sentence. This is like a, becoming like a regular thing as well. Um, yeah, so each day was kind of like, right, I need to get to the end of today. I just need to go to bed and I need to wake up tomorrow. And I need to focus on tomorrow, tomorrow and all this stuff. And it really did become a struggle. And the withdrawal, I, I remember saying actually... Um, the day that I started perking up from the withdrawal this time, the the effect that it has on the on my mood and, and the way that I feel is it's like you know it's day and night sort of thing. You know, like it, it's it's that extreme that it's like that it actually triggered something in my brain. Going, you actually feel different to how you felt, like even like five hours ago sort of thing it's that extreme sort of thing and the, the way that you sort of that I finally sort of perked up and oh I actually feel alright this morning I, I felt like I'd been hit by a train sort of thing and all this stuff and I wanted to throw up and everything and it, it is this this one in particular was absolutely grueling yeah um, yeah and, and I think like especially if, if you go back and watch the first the first video blog that I did um, well, I'm, like I'm talking, like I'm talking, kind of a bit like I am now, and I'm a bit chirpier and all this stuff. If you watch the second, was it the second one or the third one? It was after after I'd had my first round of chemo, and the difference in the way that I talk, my speech is slower, my voice sounds thinner, and the way that I'm like, I'm, I'm not as expressive with my hands and everything. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to like, it's. Yeah, it, it's, it was, the difference in it was just extreme. Yeah, sort of thing. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's also kind of like um, it's 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 two things that, that as, as I can see, it's like it's a kind of the the having no control over your physically how you feel because you're drained and you can't <coughs> and you can't sleep it off. But B as well, it's it's the it's the moods and it's basically it's you, you you're low on energy and you're kind of yeah. struggling to kind of recognise who the fuck it is that you, that you are because you're just swinging all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, even yeah. Like actually, funnily enough, um, I went into work a day earlier um, this week and just because of those are a couple of reasons I needed I needed to go into work or something. And uh, Becca who I mentioned picks me up and stuff like that from work, she actually said today 
it was like a completely different person had gotten in the car sort of thing. She said, as she again said, my voice just sounded completely different. And like the way I was, I think she said like the way I was walking and stuff like that, we had to nip to a shop to pick some up. And I started, <laughs> I think I started ranting about, you know, on the self-serve tills, they don't put carrier bags there. But the woman who does keep the carrier bags, when you want a carrier bag, is nowhere to be seen because she's always stood about fucking gassing. And I was stood there <laughs> ranting about that. And Becca was like, you, you, like she said, you could tell that you, that you was actually in the middle of these withdrawal symptoms and you was just on edge. And well, it was like a completely different person who was sat in front of her today who was just sat having a bit of a laugh and had a joke until I got a bit tired again. But yeah, it's it, it's it, it's so the extremes of like the the uh, the highs and lows are like are quite sort of significant. It's, yeah, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to explain it like to you know what I mean. Yeah, well, obviously, and it and it also sounds like when you say the highs and the lows, it's more like the lows, the lows, the lows, and then a, a small yeah. high, and then more lows. Yeah. Well, the highs, I guess. The highs, I guess. The highs are more like you're just leveling out and you're sort of starting to feel like a bit of a normal person again. Yeah. But there's been there's been a few different things where I've, I've like I've walked out of the hospital just thinking, what the fuck have you just done to me? Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing like that. Um, that bone marrow bios- biopsy that I had. Yeah. That was fucking excruciating. Sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know. Have you ever had one? <laughs> no, um, mate. No. No, have you ever have you explained? Has anyone explained? Oh, I know. Like, I, 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 yeah, I know exactly what one is, and uh, yeah. I never fucking want anything like that happening to me. That's for sure. Yeah, that that was that was agony. That was that was, and I, I walked out of there limping. It, it, they only do it under like a little local anaesthetic, and I walked out there limping. I just had a needle stuck into my pelvis, one of the hardest bones in my body. And like gone into the bone, taking obviously the bone marrow out, and then I think she said the core, like an apple, a sample of the bone as well to take that away for testing. Yeah. And one of my workmates went with me, and she was watching them do it, and she said, like, core in the bone. She didn't. I couldn't tell because he was doing it the happy, uh, which I'm quite lucky, but I'm glad because I think I'd have probably passed out if I'd watched it. But she, she, um. She had to like, like stop and like give a wrist a rest because the bone's that hard. Oh, <laughs> so fuck. sort of thing to like to rip out and, and all this stuff. And oh. we walked out, and she's like, "I can't believe I've just watched you go through that." Oh, and I was just like, "And she's and yeah, it's just one of them things again. As much as it sucks, you do have to sort of just grit your teeth and just get on with it and and all this stuff. It's as, it, as I said, there's been a few things." But right, I get, you're just walking out going, what the fuck have you just done to me? <laughs> I, I guess as well I guess as well as those moments when you say when you're levelling out and stuff like that, because because the way the human brain works as well, when you are levelling yeah. out and you're feeling all right, you just you, you kinda of get for a few moments there you're like, Oh, this is alright, I feel okay, but and then and then yeah. presumably you get those thoughts in the back of your mind that just go, Uh, yeah, it's X amount of days to your next one. Yeah, yeah, especially... And it just slaps you straight back down. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, as I say, especially this last one, that has been like... Uh, it's like, when it was when it was like, after I'd just done the third one, 
I was just like, yeah, three more. I'm halfway through it and all this stuff. I, I got into the fourth one and I was just like, fuck, two more. Just fucking two more and all this stuff. Whereas now I'm like, yeah, two more. It's fuck all. But when you're in it, it's just like, it's, you know what I mean? You, you're having, there's, there's a point where you start having to push yourself instead of allowing yourself to just flow along with it. You're actually like, come on, there's just two more. You can fucking get through this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's, like you say, it's, it's just two more, isn't it? Yeah, it's two more. Right, okay. And then we've got, and then we've got six podcasts of, um, of, of, of <laughs> recovery uh, and how Dan's had a complete fucking mental breakdown now that what's happened to him has finally sunk in. That's it, yeah. <laughs> so it finally sinks in. Yeah, we, we'll have complete fucking insanity for six months with you on. Yeah. And then hopefully we, yeah. ha- and then hopefully we have a seventh podcast where we just, we just fucking have a right old laugh about it all. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, do you remember that time I had cancer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop going on about it for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, I know. I got told that quite a lot. <laughs> no, no, I t- no. I tell you what, mate. I tell you what. Where, it, it, when, when you get well, when if you get the all clear, we have got to make sure yeah. that um, I, I want to do, I want to do that podcast in person. Um, yeah. In a in a, in a fucking pub. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you I'll have to, and you have to. That I've made on rum and sick a lot of things that I would probably get in trouble for. Yeah, and you have to wear a t-shirt saying I've just recovered from cancer, so I get to be your yeah. wi- so I I get to be your wingman. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then I can just blame it all on you. And then I can blame it on you and the cancer. And I'm pretty much like scot-free, so I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, you know, yeah. uh, ultimately, ultimately if um uh, uh it, well, not sorry, if when I don't know. I know you've said before, like you know, don't don't just assume that you're gonna that you're gonna recover from all this. But I guess at the moment, yeah. at the moment, do you find that it's kind of like because you're in the middle of the of chemo, it's so draining and everything else. The the disease yeah. is the disease is almost like taking a back seat. A little bit, yeah. Um, I don't get me wrong. I mean, look, you know, if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It just feels like we spend all the time talking about the chemo and the effects the chemo's having, and it's it's almost like I, talking to you. I kind of almost forget that it's like the, the you know the reason for the chemo, as it were. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with that. I, um, it was it's interesting. Like I think we mentioned this before, um, because I did I I did have a bit of a sort of, a, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I think I think I've talked about it before. Like, I went, I kind of went a little bit loopy after the last one. I think I had a bit of other drama going on as well. Um, but I, I went, I sort of did get a little bit unhinged sort of thing after the last one. And we was talking about it once I finally sort of came around from that, um, is is you get so focused on, it's, it's you're focusing on just fighting it because the fight is like, that sort of intense that you're focusing on just getting through that sort of thing to the yeah. point where like there's I think there's a part of it that doesn't sink in what you're actually going through and the reason for it because you're so focused on getting through it that yeah. it's, it's uh, as well as that it's like it's, it's only afterwards it kind of hits you well the what, human what you've actually just experienced why you've actually just experienced it is because a doctor has sat you down looked you in the eye and said to you you've got cancer we need to fucking sort this out, sort of thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, 
the human mind is amazing though because it's it's like what you talk what yeah. you're talking about there is compartmentalization where yeah, exactly. where literally your brain or well your mind just goes right okay this this is too heavy to deal with right now or this is too yeah. this is too much information at the moment, and and literally it will just you know you 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 at that point is when you is when you say you know is when people around you can think you're freaking out a bit but what you're doing oh, is yeah. it's, what you're doing is it's self-preservation and you know your mind is Absolutely. basically going right no we need to stop this stop that because i can only cope with so much at once yeah exactly i've got a funny story about that actually um i told a couple of people that i was going um like for tests and stuff like that i am um, because they thought it might have relapsed and i went I agreed to meet up with um, a mate from work on the day that I was going to get the results from it all, um, and they were going to tell me whether or not um, they had relapsed at this time. Um, and so uh, I went to the hospital, and they said, right, it's relapsed. We need to put you on chemo, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, so I texted my mate. As soon as we walked out of the hospital, I texted my mate, going, he's still up for meeting up. She's like, um, yeah, what's what's the result? Did I just texted her saying, no, it's relapsed. They've, put, they've gone up on me on chemo, blah, blah, blah. I'll meet you in town in an hour. So she's like, um, are you sure? So I was like, yeah, yeah. So I literally, I got home, I made a sandwich, and I jumped on a bus and went and met her in town. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I only thought a few days afterwards, is that a normal sort of response? Yeah, just, yeah, absolutely, mate. The doctors just told me I've got cancer and I'm going yeah. to be doing chemo. Yeah. Is it normal for me to just get home, make a sandwich and jump on a bus and go make, make for coffee? And she was like, Danny, you're all right. And I was like, I'm fine. And then she was like, this hasn't fucking hit you yet. You, you shouldn't be this okay. Yeah. And and I was just like, well, I've just got to get on with it. But then afterwards, I was just like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, yeah, actually, that wasn't expecting Well, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't expecting it to be fair. I kind of knew it had relapsed, but um, just in my head, but even still... Well, yeah. no, I, I, it wasn't, I, that's not on... I think that's. Sorry, a per- I, th- I was going to say I think that's a perfectly a perfectly normal reaction. I mean, I, I um, when you were saying it, it totally rings true for me about um, about when I heard my father had had a stroke, and mm. and he was right. and, and I, I was at work at the time, and I I I took the call. I was like, right, okay, okay, blah blah, and um, and I just went back. But I just went back to my desk and carried on working. Yeah, and I and I did I, I did I was like that for about an hour hour and a half and then yeah and then I just I went to the toilet or something like that and I just thought I I shouldn't really be here I need to I should make tracks actually and actually fucking yeah. go home pack a bag and drive up north but yeah but it was almost like the instant reaction is right back to work right back to normal get back and it's it's I don't know it's like that self preservation kicks in where it's like. You know, yeah. right, right, normal, keep it normal, do what you're going to do, yeah. just fucking let's well, not have a fucking meltdown, you know. Exactly, yeah. And I think, like, you hear about people, you know, who get in car crashes and stuff like that, and your brain actually shuts down so that you don't, like, as 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 the car hits you, your brain actually shuts down. Yeah. So that you don't feel the impact, do you? Like, obviously, like, a lot of people when they come round from car accidents and stuff like that, and other things like it, a lot of the time, or for, for at least from what I've heard, they don't actually remember the accident so much because obviously the brain has shut it down. And I guess it's a similar kind of thing when you, you when you hear something like like your dad's uh, like 
had a stroke and um, and all this stuff. And y- your brain, there is a survival instinct there. I think, yeah. even if it's not like a phys- if it's not like a physical danger, there's still a survival instinct of the news and stuff like that. that you, what you've been told, yeah. And I think that's what triggered it. Well, I think I remember. I remember um, he had a he had a massive. He was going in for a massive heart operation. This was a, a few right. years previously, and you know, my mum was like, it was in bits. She was up north, and and I was like, well, don't worry, don't worry. It's like, isn't it? It, it was going to have happen in the middle middle of the night, and I just said, yeah. well, just call me as soon as he's out, as soon as they know how it's gone. Um, yeah. and, and and I went to sleep. I went to bed. I went to sleep. And um, yeah. and and yeah. you know her phone call woke me up, but it was literally I, re- yeah. I remember I remember like I was literally it was like my brain was just going nothing you can do go to sleep because you are going to need you are going to need yeah. energy you are gonna, it was literally yeah. like do you know what I mean like like let's sh- let's shut down because yeah. you are you are gonna you are gonna be emotionally drained later on yeah you've got a scrap coming up and you need to prepare for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, perfectly put in in whole language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every everything everything comes down to a scrap. Yeah, no, it's, it's especially in whole. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I I know exactly what you mean. You know, it's yes yeah. to me. To me, when you were saying that, it seems perfectly normal that you just go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've had the news, but. Yeah, I've still got this stuff to do. These, you know, I've I've arranged to see someone. Just because yeah, I've had exactly. that news doesn't mean that that is now, you know, can just go out the window. No, 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 no. And I think that's been another part of what I've tried to sort of keep in my head the entire time is like shit. Like just trying to keep shit going and not stopping too much. To like let at the minute I kind of don't want to let it sort of sink in, like because I just want to focus. I I actually want to focus on fighting it, and so at the the same time I've tried to keep myself quite busy. That's why I've kept going to work and stuff like that, and why I've trying to be been trying to write music and stuff like that. Yeah, is because if I think. I think if I did stop, if I did take the entire time off work, not only would it feel like it was taken forever, but I think that would just sort of, sort of knock me on my ass. I think. Yeah. So, just because it's just it, because because you know that you've stopped, and you know that the reason why you've stopped is because you're fighting this fucking thing. Yeah. So I, I think it's, there's a part of it where you kind of force yourself not to acknowledge it. I think. Well, you can't, you Just, can't I afford, mean, you can't afford, you can't, uh, you can't allow yourself to let it have even the smallest exactly. of victories. Yeah, yeah. You've got, yeah, you've got to keep, you've got to keep your guard up at, like at all times because if you do, if you drop your hands in a boxing match, we're going back to scrapping again. You're going to get <laughs> yeah. punched, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You've got to keep your guard up, absolutely. Yo. The power of technology. Uh, we're back, and it's and it saved the whole lot. Scott, good. Hey, fucking awesome, man! Fucking awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's 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 got to be that's got to be a good omen, that mate. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look if 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 we if we if 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 we can recover that, you can make a fucking recovery as well. Absolutely, absolutely. 
No fucking problems. <laughs> so um so 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 where were we? I can't remember. Um I think yeah, that's what I was on about. Um one of the reasons that I wanted to do like the video blogs and stuff like that is because a lot of the time like in the films you know, you see somebody who's like gone through cancer and stuff in the film, and then at the end of it, once they they, they come out the other side of it, they're told they're in remission or whatever and all this stuff, and um, and then they they go, oh yeah, we've got this new lease for life and all this fucking stuff, and I'm gonna go out and grab life by the balls and all this fucking shit. And but what I found, and um, it took me a while to realise it as well, is it's like I kind of said earlier. It's more like once you get to the other side of it, instead of being like, yeah, let's go with life, you just sit there and go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to do like the video blogs and stuff like that, because I think so much stuff does get sort of watered down for happy endings and stuff like that. Yeah. That, 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 you know what I mean? People fucking suffer with this shit. I mean, they proper suffer. And, and and there's loads of people. There's loads of people that it's so much worse than I do. And I don't know. And it's not that I wanted to go out and say, look how, look what I'm going through. I'm going through a shit time. Poor me. But at the same time, I just kind of wanted to do a thing that represents what people really do go through for it. Yeah. And all this stuff. And yeah. Well, like what you're saying there as well about about like afterwards it's like well that's that's you know you realize what you you know what the fuck have you just been through i guess that's a few yeah. things isn't it that's shock but it's also that's mm. again that is that's the compartmentalization it's your mind yeah. allowing to go you to a place that you just couldn't afford to go to before absolutely absolutely yeah i, I think that's yeah I've, I've always had this sort of especially the first the first time I got diagnosed, especially, um, I was just like, I am fucking fighting this and I'm going to win. There's, it was just like there, was, there wasn't there was even like the consideration that I wasn't going to come out the other side of it. Yeah. Even though, you know you know what I mean? Um, and this one has been a little bit, I mean, it was a lot scarier this time, like because they said, right, it's in your spine and your liver. And uh, like you see, you see, there's so many things about once it's gotten into like the bones and stuff like that, then it's like, it, that's it. You're yeah. fucked, sort of thing. And this is why they have to do the bone marrow biopsy. And I'm looking and came back to the bone marrow, it was clear. But this this one was a bit scary. And there's, there was there's a part of it where you sat there. And I th- I'm sure, I think there was a little point maybe when they very first sort of told me just before I got into, right, I'm fighting this, where you just kind of sit there and go, shit, what, what if I come out the other, what if I don't, what if I don't come out the other side of this? Yeah. And, but that's the point where you just go, no, that, that doesn't even warrant entertaining that thought. Yeah. You cannot think of that sort of thing. And I think that's, that, I think that's part of it as well, like you say. It's like well, you that, can't afford to go to that place. Well, also it's like, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it's, you, you can't, and, and you're right to, and to be honest, I haven't. I mean, um, you know, I, 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 in my mind, you know, me, me, me you, and the um, and the Reanimator boys are going to be, um, uh, you know, going to be uh, are going to be playing gigs together again. 
and uh, and you know and I, I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to all of that. I'm looking forward to all of that. I'm looking forward to seeing you again and you know with a clean bill of health and uh, and going out yeah. and um you know and kicking ass on stage. So, you know. Yeah. That's that's what's going to happen, mate. That's what we're going to that's Absolutely. that's what we're going to fucking Absolutely. do. Absolutely. At the minute I have no doubt of that. Um obviously you have the odd days where you just like it does it tries to creep in sometimes. It's not this is a thing like I've had I've had a few people sort of well, my mate, another mate of mine was messaging, messaging me going, I, I'm not sure. I'm, this sounds like I'm fucking doing that humble bragging thing. And, uh, but she said, I'm, I, I don't get how you're sort of coping with it. And I just, and I was just like, it's not that I don't have bad days. I just, I try to focus on the good days a bit more. It's not that it doesn't creep in. I'm, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. It, it's, it's there. But you have to find ways of coping with it, and you have to find ways of shutting that bit down. Of course you do, and not letting it get to you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, that looks out. That sounds like a, a, a nice, uplifting place to um, to leave it there, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, cool. look. Uh, when's when's the next sesh? Um, it is a week on Monday. I actually get I get scanned on Monday coming up to see if it's working. And then the the next session is a week on Monday. Right. Um, okay. I'm not sure when I'm going to have the results back from the scan though. But um, yeah, the next session is a week on Monday. Okay. Well, look, mate. I wish you the best of luck. Um, Thank you very much. Let me know how it goes. I'll I'll no doubt see a, a video blog as well. And um, Absolutely. And, and start and start fucking um, uh, swatting up on anthrax. Yeah, I will do. I will do. All right, <laughs> mate. You. Okay. You, Take it easy. Yeah, you too, mate. Cheers, mate. See you later. Bye. Bye bye. So there you go. Another um, another half an hour in um, uh, in Dan's company there. Um, and what a what a legend. I mean, I know a lot of you um, uh, are enjoying um, uh, listening in. It, it was um, yeah. That if you are watching the video blogs or anything, um, he's he's been. He was really struggling earlier this um, this week. It was um, it was it was visible. Um, and um, yeah, please do try and support the guy. I hope you're taking as much out of it as um, as he's putting into it. And um, if uh, and just spread the word, please do spread the word for for Dan's sake, for the sake of the podcast. Please do um, spread the word because um, it, it does help. Um, I appreciate every single one of you. As you know, um, this is the section of the show where I just go on and on about how I can't believe I'm doing this, and you know. But I, I mean it. I really fucking mean it. I mean it every single time I say it. Um, I absolutely, really do fucking... I, I just love doing this. Um, can't believe it's still going. Seems like five minutes ago when I thought, let's start doing a podcast. And it's just, yeah, it's really... Um, I really enjoy doing it. Um, got some cool, uh, got some cool guests lined up for next month. Really getting some cool guests on at the moment, as you can tell by getting fucking Dan Spitz on, which was amazing. Thanks to Chris again for that. Absolutely awesome. Um, and that's it. I've got some more. Got some great guests lined up. I'm going to get the uh, get the, the acid rain special out there at some point over the next couple of weeks. So keep keep an ear open for that. Um, had some awesome birthday presents. Got I've actually got the um, I got the Back to the Front Master of Puppets book. So that is going to get a serious caning. Also got a Voivod Barlight. Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask. 
Um, so, as always, thank you so much. I really, really, really do appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed doing it. Um, and here is the song to end the podcast with. Yep, you guessed it. Haven't done all of that work to only play it once. Till next month. See ya. <laughs>